What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Mitch Oliver, and today I have my whole crew with me, and they're going to introduce themselves right now, starting with the big four-eyed fuck. <laughs> That's me. Um, you know, they oh used God. to call me that way in the back, and they call it me to this day, I guess. Uh, you got Kyle here. I'm introducing myself, by the way. This is Kyle introducing himself. Okay. Ever heard of LASIK, Kyle? No, I haven't. Can you tell me about like it? Have you heard me? of circumcisions? I, I don't know about them either, but maybe you Circumcision do. came first, and then I got LASIK. Right. Okay, but either understood. way, both were heavy upgrades. Boozy. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Other co-hosts, how you doing? What a wild fucking intro. It's 2022, baby. I, uh, hi, I'm Boozy. Welcome to 2022, I guess. Yeah, welcome to that 2022 I'm, a, I'm just a two-eyed fuck. Yeah, you're just a two-eyed um, fuck. You're a little cutie. <laughs> um but yeah the three of us Wait, we are the terror come table. again are you saying that i'm not a cutie because i have four no, eyes no i'm saying uncalled no. for uncalled for <laughs> we are that horror movie podcast every single week we normally talk about the stuff that we've been seeing and then we uh do a little uh we go into a main feature where we talk about a specific movie or topic this week we are going to be doing our top tens of 2021 uh, so each of us are going to share our separate top 10 favorite horror films of the year. Uh, I think each of us can weigh on on our criteria that we chose to go about this year. This is going to be a little bit more of a relaxed year. Originally, I had asked the boys if we could include TV shows on our top 10s, which is something we've never done before. Uh, I'm not sure if either of the other, I'm not sure if Kyle or Boozy had done this. I ended up leaving mine off just because I wanted to make room for uh, for some other indies. Uh, but I will still talk about a couple TV shows I loved at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, we'll be going through from 10 to 1, each taking turns, talking about our favorite films of the year. Um, but what I was going to ask you guys is what we normally do, what we've done every other year except for last year, which kind of was... We got pretty wasted and uh, we talked, we were just talking about, we talked about what our favorite. We talk about at the end? We were just music. like, yeah, like hey, what music you listen to? For like to? another hour and a half, yeah. we talked about I think we're, albums. We're going to give you guys the main feast at the very beginning of this episode. We're going to kick right off into our top tens uh, so we can go through and give all these movies the love and attention that they deserve. And then we're going to share our honorable mentions, which I'm sure won't take very long. And then we're going to cap the episode off talking about uh, the films we're looking forward to seeing in 2022, the ones that we know are going to be released this year, pending, you know, the world doesn't shut down again. Um, I know uh, Kyle's really bummed out because Morbius was delayed again. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about that, Kyle, but I can't imagine it's any good. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a bad thing. Like, I think we need more Leto. If we can, if we can get like weekly Leto, I'd be pretty happy. Kyle, Lately, you, you need to send more money to yeah. to his island or wherever he's held up. Hey, I will. You know, if I have to send all my life savings so I can get Morbius a couple weeks earlier, um, I'll do it. But you know, he, if I if I can send a a message to the world right now, I, I need it to be known that we need Morbius tomorrow. We need it yesterday, and we we need it now. Yeah, we need it more than ever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Uh, would you guys like to hear a quick word from our sponsors before we get into our criteria this week? You know, I think I would. I think Please. we'll actually play the sponsors this week, too. <laughs> My bad. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Direct West. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for a billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape? That's where Direct West comes in. 
you can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. All right. Okay, boys. Wow, that was a really insightful commercial. Gentlemen. Um, Is that okay to say gentlemen? Yeah, of course. You guys consider yourselves gentlemen? I don't know if I consider it, but I like it. I definitely know Kyle does not look like a gentle guy. He's a very rough and tumble kind of dude. Yeah, fair. He just oozes that toxic masculinity. Well, yeah. I love Britney Spears. All right. So we are going to do, uh, we'll do this in kind of serpentine form. So say that my number 10 is a movie that's mentioned on one of your guys' lists. Uh, All you got to do is say higher and we'll stop and move on. And once we get to that film, uh, at its highest place where there's no one else left with it with it higher at their on their list we'll each just take turns talking sharing our thoughts on it and reminding people where it was on our list sounds convoluted but it's all going to work out you guys don't worry i trust but, you <laughs> just let daddy steer this ship i think you should go first then mitch if i'm being honest i think mitch has to go first okay um so my criteria uh there is no real criteria so you're going to be the same as every other year I just chose to highlight 10 movies that I really enjoyed this year. I think that on previous episodes, and actually I was on a recent episode of Cobwebs, we did a two-part series on just our favorite movies in general over the course of 2021. I chose to kind of steer back on all my horror movie thoughts, aside from a few, uh, just so I could save all that conversation for the terror table. But I mainly just talked about, you know, my favorite films of the year. So like Pig and Mitchell's vs. the Machines, all that kind of stuff. And Joker. Uh, Joker is always one of the favorites, but it yeah, didn't it carries, come out it transcend, No, it transcends years. Well, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And it determines my death style. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. I was waiting but, for that. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm going to talk. I will just say, no, actually, I'll, I'll wait for the end for that one. But yeah, so I don't have any TV shows on here. Uh, I'll talk about, I have three TV shows I want to mention at the very end of this episode. But uh, yeah, I guess I will lead us off with my... 10th favorite film of 2021 you guys are ready ready shit, it is now time ring, ring that bell ring that giant gong that you got behind you kyle my number 10 david bruckner's the night house higher all right higher yeah all right well i think some people might be surprised that i that before we move on i just will say some people might be surprised that this is even on my top 10 because i kind of gave it a lukewarm review gave it another watch recently i still also really liked it the first time i saw it uh but i i knew i needed to give it another watch because uh there's there's something lingering in me about this movie so i will get to it uh once we get there if it's on kyler boozy's list so yeah once again my number 10 is the night house let's go over to kyle Beautiful. Well, I'm excited because my number 10 is a film that I actually didn't think was going to make this list, but the more I thought about it, the more it, it stayed with me in a really fun way. And that is Slumber Party Massacre. Of course, Higher. 2021's Slumber Party Should Massacre. Should we go back to just each? <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, I, I'm I into like this. this. That's like good. This. this is good. Okay. So it's higher I, on both of our lists. I, yeah. uh, I said what I had to say. Say. <laughs> I said what said I had to say. I had to say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm good. That's good. Let's, let's right. get it going. Kyle's this, number this 10. Slumber Party Massacre. Boozy, what's your number 10? My number 10 is Werewolves Within. Higher. Uh, Really? I like this. Oh, you're you're good. I saw it recently. I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, it's not on my list. So have at her, Boozy. Oh, wait. No, Kyle said he had it higher. Oh, sorry. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Wow. So it goes back to to you then. 
holy shit okay well, oh wow this i feel i feel like we're on a game show right now that and i feel like this is either it's gonna either be that fastest episode or all of a sudden it's just gonna become super no long. i think it'll make for more it'll make sense conversations i like this yeah it's gonna work itself out i think this all is right. great so my number 10 was the night house my number nine slumber party massacre higher oh, oh boy honestly so got, uh all right my okay. whole list is just which one of us is steve of harvey <laughs> um yeah okay so kyle i think it's your turn again i think you're right okay my number my number nine this is, might be funny my number nine is last night in soho higher fuck yeah man this is what the listeners need oh yes yes it's like a build-up too it I really is this. there's a lot of anticipation in my veins right now for some reason yeah all right so your number nine that, sorry you said that was your number nine number nine last night in soho yeah okay yeah it's higher on my list next on to boozy uh, my number nine is the power. You're good. This is the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I really dug this movie though. Okay. <laughs> okay. So first off, this is written and directed by Karina Faith. Uh, so it's in 1974. A young nurse is forced to work a night shift in a crumbling hospital as uh, the power goes off across Britain. Uh, so this is a very stylistically beautiful film. It's very rich um, and it uses a great set piece to incorporate a lot of fear. And it actually changes your main character quite a bit, which is something interesting as opposed to things just happening to your character throughout your character changes throughout this. And there are some really memorable scenes in this. So I definitely recommend uh, The Power. Hell yeah. Awesome. I never got around to watching this one, but uh, it looked really great. Because I think, Dib, have both of you spoken about it on the show previously? I know Mitch, you did at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this was a movie where it was like the next week Boozy had talked about it, uh, like after I'd seen it. And right. yeah, I really liked it. I thought Boozy would enjoy it. So I'm happy to hear it made your top 10. It's in my honorable mentions. I think it's just a really, really tight little indie film, uh, super well directed. And it's like one of those movies that shows what you can really accomplish with a really awesome hook and a low budget and, and just a great set piece It's like same as like something like session nine it just uses that set piece that has a built-in creepiness to it yeah right? respect respect so the uh the religious creepy haunting film the power from 2021 yeah. that's boozy's number eight so it's back to my number eight i believe so all right my number eight is coming home in the dark not on either of your list didn't get didn't, didn't, didn't get, get a chance to, to see it no i okay. didn't get to it well, let me tell you guys, this is a film that we showed at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival this year, and it is now available on Netflix. Uh, so you can go and see this as soon as you want to. It's available everywhere on Netflix, but it's the debut feature film from New Zealand director James Ashcroft. I've spoken multiple times on the show about my love and appreciation for Australian horror films. And though this one is bred from New Zealand, they're not too far from each other. And uh, it lives right alongside some of my faves for all of the same reasons. Uh, Coming Home in the Dark is a super mean, cynical, and ultra-depressing story of torment, trauma, and revenge. And uh, this is just like, it's kind of like a sort of, sort of like a road trip movie that blends elements of things like Last House on the Left, but mixes it with like just really intense revenge thrillers. And um, this is one that kicks off with a bang. Uh, anyone who has seen it will know what I'm meaning. It's, it's one of those movies that if it doesn't grab your attention within 15 minutes, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Because uh, it's one of those ones that seems like it's going to be a slow burn. Then all of a sudden, just fucking we're off to the races. 
And uh, it's a very style, like it, it's one of those, it's, it's got Mitch Oliver's style written all over it. You know, if you know the kinds of movies I like, I like my dirty tough guy movies, my, my tough men in, uh, on the road being crazy with beards and trench coats. Just a couple of tough men Just being a couple tough of on dudes the road. Being dudes. What a, from what I saw this film, it did kind of give me like Blue Ruin vibes a little bit. I don't know if that's true, but. Blue Ruin's without a doubt a better movie, but it, it's, it, yeah, it's the style, like the the aesthetic. The aesthetic yeah, yeah. is what's similar to Blue Ruin. So cool. um, it is definitely one of those movies that, uh, it man, it it's one of those movies that just, it hooked me as soon as it, it kicked off and, uh, it really unfolds into being something really grim and dark. And I just really, really, really enjoyed it. And I thought it was very intense with a really wicked lead performance from, uh, I can't remember his name, but I'm going to, he, like, I'd mentioned this on the podcast before, but he played Mary Jane Watson's side boyfriend in Spider-Man 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen him. Right. That his guy. name is Dan- Daniel Gillies, but he plays like his character in this is named Mandrake, which don't let that turn you off. I I am also one of those guys who's like, well, oh, he's got one of those cool names like Spider or uh, you Mandrake. Know, yeah. Hey, what's up? My name's Python. See, they call me Panic because I never do. Uh, this uh, I would actually put this in line with something like Boozy. I know a movie you really loved that I I enjoyed a lot as well as Alone from last year, mm-hmm. which is like a uh, kind of an intense road movie. I loved Coming Home in the Dark. It's my number eight, and I highly recommend people checking it out. It's definitely more along the lines of like a really sadistic dark thriller. I'm sure some people wouldn't consider this horror, but fuck y'all. This is my list. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, if anyone's listening to this and is like, hey, don't put that on your list, it shouldn't go there. Just be like, Mitch said, fuck y'all. So, yeah, fuck yeah, y'all. Major call out to everyone. Yeah, shout out. Um, yeah, so now Kyle. All right. Well, my number eight is Censor. Not on my list. Honorable yeah. mentions. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, this is a 2021 film directed by Prano. Yeah, no shit. Bailey Bond. <laughs> some of them fucking... are on the line. I'll get to at least one. I needed to wait for somebody to do it because I'm like, yeah, just say it's from 2021, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, you stupid fuck. Man, what are what are years anymore? Let's be honest. Um, but this one is great. This is features uh the lead characters a film censor who actually gets herself entangled with a particular film and how it kind of relates to her own life and sort of I guess yeah, sort of supernatural ways in a sense there is a really interesting kind of I guess 80s analog aesthetic to this film uh it was shot on 35 mil and it you can tell yeah. it looks like beautiful in that really specific way that it's going for it really achieves a certain look that it that it wants and it lends to the filmmaking itself, not just like aesthetically. Um, really, really enjoyed the performances in this film. Some of the stuff in here is just really, it's really tragic to watch. Like a lot of it is, is really uh, like familial stuff. It, it can be hard for me sometimes. And so watching this is like, it, re- it really got to me dealing with kind of some- Are you of talking about because you and your sister watch Teeth together? Yeah, similar stuff to okay. that. Yeah, the, the Teeth connection is what I was <laughs> thinking for sure. Um, so I don't know that that was something that really stood out to me watching this one. And I think beyond that, like the themes itself, I think the idea of like a censor is a, someone who works in censorship is something that doesn't get explored very often no. in horror, but totally should. Cause it's like a really good topic to talk about. And I think if you're a fan of the genre, you're going to appreciate this because 
you know, there's been debates of censorship and horror forever yeah. and what that means. Should it exist? Should it not exist? To what extent that whole conversation gets uh, uh, deconstructed in this film in a really, really good way. Um, you know, I have my own opinions on that, but even watching this, it kind of made me think and like, oh, okay, well, fair enough. Like maybe better watch out is a dangerous movie. Maybe that <laughs> thing should be banned in Germany. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, sensors worth checking out if you haven't seen this one i would i believe it's on shutter right now so uh yeah peep game on sensor i really like really sensor uh this was one that just narrowly missed it off my list and it's at the top of my honorable mentions uh just like kyle said uh the 35 millimeter like it, it looks really really good like the aesthetic is probably my favorite part about the movie and it does have that really interesting conversation like they find a way to make it interesting because one thing you didn't it's not make- heavy-handed either because like i mean it, it, it is in the sense that like the it, it well it's centered around it but it's not like no what makes it interesting is that she's specifically censoring video nasties like exactly movies, that's right yeah, like yeah. snuff film like movies that some people you know back when you're on when they're on vhs like a lot of people just thought that they were watching snuff films and there were times where it's like you how can you tell if it is or it isn't um so right, it, right. it's that was really cool and the the lead actress was really solid in it and specifically the last like 20 minutes of the movie uh like it was so narrow it was so narrow from this movie could have been like it's my honorable mention but it very well could have been like in my top three uh with just a couple different twists like uh, there was just a couple things that i wasn't super crazy about but overall i just thought it was it was a really cool movie and i definitely recommend it i was saying me and jason hamill were talking about this he he was saying that he would pair it next to Possessor, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, totally. which was my number yeah. one last year. And then I was saying, like, I was thinking Videodrome. Like, it's, you know, the types of movies that uh, really just dissect the, the the difference between art and reality. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's really cool little indie movie. So Censor is Kyle's number eight. Boozy. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So my number eight. Uh, which has already been mentioned on here is David Bruckner's The Night House. Did you see it, Kyle? I did not see this one. Didn't catch it. Okay. Okay. So it is it is our time, Mitch, to talk about this film, and we have it fairly close in, close in proximity. Yeah. So. I think. Um, how should we work this? The person who had it lower goes first, or the person who has it higher? Yeah. Goes like, you know what? I think you should tell me why it isn't higher, and then I'll tell you why mine is one higher. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't know. Really, in reality, I don't know. I just. I often watch movies like with like movies with a more critical eye when it's from the works of directors that I idolize. And David Bruckner is one of those. Like he's one of those guys that I just kind of am enamored with him. And I've loved his work so far, like uh, his segment Amateur Night in VHS, the original. That was the the infamous Siren episode, the segment. And that just left such a huge mark on me. And I was so into it. And The Ritual, which has become one of my favorite modern horror movies. I just absolutely love that movie. And uh, this one, for me, it's uh, I don't find it as strong as The Ritual, but just the movie on its own, it is so... There's no denying that Rebecca Hall gave the performance of the year in this. Like, And I'm talking not even just in genre. The only other person that, like, I think if you've seen Spencer, it's not a horror movie at all, but Kristen Stewart is just, like, undoubtedly, like, to me, there's not even a debate. There's no way that you can say that Kristen Stewart didn't give the best performance in general this year, but Rebecca Hall is not very far behind her and she didn't get to play Princess Diana. You know, like she had to just play this broken uh, widow in this film. And 
I think there's just no Absolutely. denying that she was absolutely incredible here. And uh, I would say that Hall was operating like not too far behind Kristen Stewart and Spencer, but it's just like the Nighthouse invents a lot of really successful and cool new scare tactics. There's some stuff that like I've talked about on the show before revolving around like some crown molding on walls and like Bruckner just found a way to like make some new scares and it felt very fresh. And he basically just built a really tense atmospheric and creepy platform for Rebecca Hall to dance on. And this thing is mainly on my list because I wanted to highlight how good that Woody Harrelson sympathizer was in this film. Like she is truly one of the best actresses living right now. And this might be her best performance. Like she is so so fucking good in this movie and i have no doubts that if kyle watched this you would really enjoy it as well yeah i didn't i didn't catch this one unfortunately but i'm i'm happy to hear that both of you guys have it so high on your list or are made of the list at least yeah no it's it's my number 10 i needed to put it on there just for rebecca hall's performance alone and uh and it did enough things that i loved like there was just the reason it's not higher is there was a couple plot points that just didn't gel with me like it just uh they didn't click for me and it's not saying that it's bad or that you know Bruckner doesn't know what he's doing because clearly the guy's a mastermind um but it's just one of those things where it just didn't click with me personally in my taste so uh the night house is my number 10 boozy why was it your number eight all right so I I think the most important thing I I talked about this movie oh gosh it was a couple episodes it wasn't that long ago um so I'm kind of just trying to remember everything about that but the the main thing I get out of this is it's uh, a film that deals with grief in a very interesting way by turning it into kind of a whodunit crime drama and I'll say that in the best way possible is this movie doesn't feel like a whodunit crime drama but the way that you're invested in your characters really does make you feel like that because obviously every movie is trying to tell you a story in terms of giving you new information as you go along. Some don't do it as well as others. And I think that uh, David Bruckner has found a perfect way to do that, where he he breadcrumbs you that you want to invest more and more time in it. And a lot of the times he'll give you pieces of that that turn into payoffs later on. And I think that this film rests a little, or not a little, quite a bit of on the shoulders of the payoff at the end and whether you like that or not and dealing with the confrontation of grief, loss, and sorrow. Um, and I just, I overall really like this movie. I've said it time and time again, I really like depressing movies. And I think this movie does a great job of just working through a lot of that stuff. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, and one thing also I want to point out, even though everyone who ever talks about this movie points the scene out, but there's a specific scene, like she plays a school teacher and one of the mothers comes to her class kind of, wondering why her kid didn't get a higher grade and like that scene alone it's like near the beginning of the movie is just so fucking good and hall is just on fire and the movie's worth a watch just for that scene alone and then on top of that you just get a bunch of really cool scares that i've never seen anyone else do before i honestly like yeah it, it's a testament to her performance that i would have just watched an hour of her dealing with grief alone without any of the other drama that comes into it in the horror elements it is she just has a great performance where you want to see how this character develops herself moving forward from tragedy yeah absolutely awesome uh so is it back to me now yes uh i think so yes okay so this is one that i'm not sure if either of you guys have gotten around to watching but i highly recommend it for both of you hope maybe you guys have seen it my number seven is The Vigil. No, I have not. 
Oh, no. no. I haven't seen this one. Okay, so this one is written and directed by Keith Thomas, who's currently directing an episode of, like, Benito, or, sorry, Guillermo del Toro's new show, The Cabinet of Curiosities. He's also uh, doing the remake of the Stephen King book movie Firestarter. Uh, but, yeah, this is one of those movies. I have a couple on my list that had some pretty interesting, if not troubled, releases. So this one was originally set to release in 2019, but ended up being released in 2021 on Apple TV and Hulu. So that's where you can check it out if you want to now. Uh, but the synopsis is a man is hired by, he's basically is this Jewish guy who's hired by a member of an Orthodox Jewish community to watch a deceased body overnight as part of a religious practice. But he finds himself opposite of a malevolent force. Very cool. That sounds cool. So this thing is like uh, the vigil. It's, it's, it's a creepy supernatural film with some really haunting moments and there's some really gut punching twists and turns. And uh, this was one, this is one of the dark horses for the year for me, because now I'm starting to see uh, top tens come up and I've seen it on a few lists, which is cool. But like when I watched it, like I just made a huge list of all the movies I hadn't seen yet. And I remember seeing this one come up uh, when it was released and heard some people really enjoyed it. And I, I gave it a shot and man, this movie, it's fucking awesome. Like this thing would pair really nicely with a movie like the autopsy of Jane Doe. If you're a fan of those types of movies, like those supernatural kind of slow burn movies that have some really intense imagery and sequences, this is one I think Boozy's going to really dig. It's already on I, I think both of you guys will really dig it. Yeah, I think both of you guys will really dig this one. Uh, it's one looks I would do an episode on it if you guys ever wanted yeah, totally. to, because it, it's a blast. And it's a nice little lean hour and a half film. And uh, yeah, it was. I think this is a directorial debut. Um, I think I have a couple on here that are directorial debuts. Wow. Coming Home in the Dark was, uh, no, this, yeah, this is his, he had done a short and then now the vigil and now he's doing Firestarter and Cabinet wow. of the Curiosity. So like this guy's got some skills and uh, the actor, the lead actor is really solid. It's fucking like sad at times, but it's one of those ones that's mainly just, it's creepy. Like this would be a great Halloween night movie has no halloween themes to it but it's just you know it's a spooky supernatural film so the vigil it has nothing to do with halloween but it'd be sick yeah well you know like it doesn't need to be set no, on halloween I get it. it's it's a creepy one uh yeah i definitely recommend the vigil i thought no, it was, this looks spooky this is one that i'm like kind of surprised this is it was when i had placed this at number seven that i'd realized mitch you do this every year you always say eh, it hasn't been that great of a year and then but now it's just like, oh my God, looking at this list, there's some fucking bangers that came out this year. Every year, every year. I was saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually last year uh, was the first one where I was like, okay, this was an awesome year, but I do remember 2019 was kind of weak. Um, but last year was sick too. But yeah, this this year, I got some really great ones I'm going to be talking about, but the, the Vigil, big Mitch Oliver stamp of approval. Love it. Love that's it. what every cool. director yearns for. <laughs> It's it's like one of those plaques at the end. <laughs> it's it's a little. If they're lucky, they'll get it. It's one know? of those uh, like you know the reef, like on the the palm has the reef, the laurel leaves. Yeah, <laughs> just Mitch Oliver <laughs> stamp of approval. Yeah, two leaves, but in, instead of the wreaths, it's uh, two circumcised dicks or uncircumcised dicks. I'm sure people... it's like the Nintendo seal of approval or whatever. Yes. Oh, sorry, my mom calls it Nintendo. Kyle. Oh, you're okay. number seven. My number seven is Werewolves Within. Oh, that was on mine. Yep. Yeah, perfect. I did just watch this okay. over Christmas, though. 
Okay. Well, uh, I guess Boozy, you wanna you wanna talk about it first? Yeah, just let me. I was not prepared to immediately go into talking about this. It's fine. You know, this is what this is what the game show speedrun version. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, you so gotta be on your based feet. Based off of a video you know? game, correct? I remember playing this with cards when I was in high school. Okay. It is based on a game. It's right, but it, it's a. I think it's like a VR game that came out like five yeah. years oh, ago. Oh yeah, the, you guys are is, entirely this right. This is based on like a like it started as like a card game, I believe, because like I remember playing this. Oh, okay. Just shout out Sam cool. Richardson. Hundred percent. Little buff boys. Little buff boys. Little buff boys. <laughs> Pick one of the boys. Right. <laughs> shout out him. Okay. Cool. I, I never played the Have game. You not watched? You. I think you should leave. Cut. Oh, I got it. I was. I was just. I was just. I was busy looking into Ubisoft lore. Little buff boys. All right, keep going, you little buff boys. All right. So this is directed by Josh Rubin, and pretty straightforward. What would you consider the Kyle or the story, Kyle? It's pretty straightforward. Of uh, locked in, who did it? Like the thing, kind of. It's like yeah. It's like a exactly. There's there's a couple different things going on, but for the most part, it's a a mystery, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that this movie has some really cool special effects and i think the big thing that helps it is yes it's a horror movie but it relies so much on these characters and their quirks and how likable they are Mm -hmm. and you trying to figure out based on these quirks what's going on with them and like obviously that's a pretty straightforward story because it's it's been done like this is basically like the thing with a werewolf or knives out yeah exactly like it's the same basic concept so uh, there's a million it's a whodunit there's a million it's not new yeah, so so that means that when you have something like that, you already have that built in who are you, you're trying to figure out who did it the whole time. And I think it's just fun with this because with a story like that, you need to have fun characters that rely on to make it interesting. It's not just like totally. this person's unlikable, this person's unlikable. And I think they did a great job of this. I think it was a lot gorier than I was expecting. Same and, here. Yeah. yeah, and and like Sam Richardson carried this. I thought he was such a it was, a per- fun... it was great casting. It's perfect casting. Yeah, it's just such a fun character and and like i said i don't like uh usually like uh fun horror movies I like dark right. and depressing ones so i think this is a great film and obviously any film with a werewolf i'm going to be checking out and judging and i think this one passes the the cool test the cool dude <laughs> 2021 test yeah i i was like really surprised by this one because um like we all watched scare me uh last year and i love scare yeah. me and and you know I, I didn't like love that movie as much as you did boozy but i enjoyed it for what it was and like i, I liked what josh rubens was going for with that film mm-hmm. and i could i could tell that like his style was or at least just based off that singular like singular I, I think film that the it, fact that with what sorry just to cut you off for a second here, no it's fine just based on what that movie i like glad you brought that up based on that movie that's what i was really impressed with is anybody who can keep you entertained with just two people telling stories in a cabin it has great storytelling chops like that's just an uh, like it's either you can or can't tell that kind of story right because that's what i found very engaging about that is like holy shit they're not doing a lot but they're making so much happen for me so i guess i'm a little bit the opposite with you on that one then because for okay that's no that's only because for that one i that did work but at a certain point it kind of ran its course for me felt like it would have been a great short like a five out of five short in a way right that's kind of how i felt about it personally but in terms of this movie i felt like what his kind of directorial style was going for in that one really shined here where it was like he's clearly a fantastic comedy director mm-hmm. but not even that but and also a fantastic horror director too because he's able to i mean it's we've talked about, talked about this a million times you know putting comedy into horror it, it's got mixed results it's all timing it's all timing yeah you gotta be you gotta be you gotta know what you're doing he josh rubens absolutely knows what he's doing here 
I think it like we mentioned with Sam Richardson, he's fantastic in this film, but the rest of the cast is great too. Um, you know, there are a lot of like exuberant kind of over the top characters to some extent, a few of them are, but I've just really enjoyed like the somewhat wholesome tone of this film, which I know yeah, maybe that's like yeah. lame to say, but like we just don't get that enough no, in it, horror. It's part of its that's it's, part of its charm is that it's so it's so charming. It and wholesome, is. Like, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it wears it's on its sleeve. I think that makes the jokes work better. Like, I think a lot of the jokes work better because they are based on that wholesome idea. They're not just like swearing and making fart. No, jokes. It's, it, they're not mean. Yeah, exactly. And everyone like kind that. of everyone's likable enough. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. people who are likable or less likable than others in this film. But like you were mentioning, Boozy, it really just comes down to like wanting to be around these characters and wanting to yes. follow them and, and, and at least caring about them enough to have the narrative play out. And it does a really, really good job of, in, of engaging the viewer in that way. Um, and I thought it was genuinely like pretty funny. Like, I don't know. I think I feel like comedies. I think even the ending, yeah, they did exactly. such a great job of like kind of being, uh, how would you like, it was like a sarcastic ending almost. And, I and that, that that was the, what mo- reminded me the most of Scare Me actually. It was kind of some of those uh, final conversations between certain characters where it was more, a little bit, I guess, meta a little bit or a little bit mm-hmm. self-referential. And I liked it. I felt like it was a little bit more subtle on this film than Scare Me uh and that worked a lot more for me um yeah i i was excited to see this one from the get-go i remember actually reading this being in production while we covered scare me and i was like okay like interesting like a based on a video game werewolves Mm -hmm. cool we'll see what happens and yeah i had a a blast like i'm actually i'm down to watch this one sooner than later again kyle likes werewolf movies (laughs) yeah i guess Mm -hmm. i do yeah i i I thought it was a lot of fun yeah this one's also on my honorable mention so like i didn't not like this movie it just got Uh edged out by some other ones that i was more into but i mean this with the highest praise and the most respect josh rubens has that big add energy and that's what i like about it like i like that he's unabashedly like you see it in scare me and like because he actually is physically in that film and he's doing all these different characters and he's commanding the screen with just himself and you can feel that throughout his script, like the in Were- Werewolves Within. I know he co-wrote the script. I, at least I think it was. I think he co-wrote it. I know it was. Think oh no, he, he didn't directly write it. Though. No, he yeah. didn't write it. Uh, I guess it was Mish- Mishna Wolf wrote it. Um, but he did write and direct Scare Me. He did. Yeah, yeah. I think you can totally tell some. There's like Edgar Wright influences in this film. Absolutely, sure. and Raimi, man, and Sam Raimi. Like you can just see. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun. That's definitely one that I even I, I co even though it's not on my list, I co-sign. Good movie. Huge. Yeah, shout out co-sign. Yes, shout out. Um, <laughs> all right, so now it's back to moi. Yes, indeed. All right, Kyle, get ready to talk again, baby, because my number six, the last night in Soho. Oh, baby. Oh, it's going down. It's I going thought this down. one was going to be higher. Meet me at the club. It's going down. <laughs> so last night in Soho. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, just uh, give you my thoughts on it. Obviously, I guess maybe not obvious. I don't know how much I've talked about it on the show, but Edgar Wright's a fantastic director. I like most of his work, if not love most of his work. So I was very excited to see this film, um, especially because it just seemed like a change of pace for him. Uh, Baby Driver was a change of pace in a way in itself. And then this was just kind of reaching out a little bit further. And so I was happy to see what he would do, especially kind of reaching to the horror genre again, which is fantastic to see uh and this one i loved the world of this one the overall vibe is what really got me like i love perspective that he took on the present day and the past and i think 
that was something that was clearly executed very, very well, in my opinion. And I, I love the connections that he makes between fashion and socialization and all kinds of different stuff that's kind of being t- talked about in this film. I, I really, really liked it. Uh, just, just the general attention to detail that Edgar Wright brings in all of his films that was brought here, but in a very unique way. It's, it's, it's that same kind of, I guess what you said, like AD, ADHD energy that mm-hmm. maybe you could see in some of his other work, but here it's, it's there, but it's different. And it, I think that's just growth of a great director. So I was really, really happy with that. Um, I will say for me, personally kind of just fell flat a little bit in the last act and that's that's what kind of made it lower on my list uh i was i was expecting to really really love this movie and i didn't quite love it that much but i i to me it was still like a standout film in horror for me this year and if you haven't seen it yet definitely recommend checking it out cool yeah just uh pretty much echo what you had said uh like i love edgar wright's work specifically the cornetto trilogy and scott pilgrim so basically everything except for baby driver fuck that movie um but uh i, know, I don't hate I, it but i don't love it it's it, yeah. it just it's mid for me i don't know i need to i think i need to watch it again but the problem is half the cast is canceled and That's i hate a, them all it's a tougher like, watch i really do we bring back the cancel corner to <laughs> double cancel that fucking douchebag Ansel Elgort might as well I'd never like that guy honestly yeah, fuck him man he's exactly who West Side Story kid um sorry fault in our stars kid with just absolutely no charisma who's yeah fuck that guy I don't know who it is but fuck he's him. the baby driver yeah he's got a musical career as well so that's that's how you know the fact that he managed to land a lead role in a Spielberg movie let alone like a remake okay whatever we're not here to talk about West Side Story <laughs> fuck Ansel Elgort though um but yeah i know this one it's been very divisive which is kind of sort of surprising for me because i thought that even uh it was kind of surprising because i thought like a lot of edgar wright fans myself being one of them tend to be you know pretentious fucks who pretend to like something more than they actually do even if they didn't like it they'll still praise it cc baby driver but this one i was just like i was kind of surprised to see that a lot of people were kind of punching down on this thing but i don't know man it really really worked for me i loved i like you said i loved the style i loved its commitment to homaging 1960s london with also italian giallo films and uh, like warts and all like i love there there are issues with both of those things that do happen in this movie and i i still i just love them and uh I loved how it was a true blooded horror movie with like all of Wright's masterful visual yeah. flares. It was more of a horror movie than I thought it was going to be because I thought from the trailer, maybe we were getting a little bit too much of it. Like, yeah, hard to tell, but this it ended is, up being straight up a horror film. Big time. It's the only movie that I that I did this to this year where after I went and seen went after I went and saw it, I came home and I watched the trailer again because I was like, what? Like, that was <laughs> way crazier than I was expecting. I watched the trailer. I'm like, oh, man, they did not do a good job marketing this as a horror movie like right. I, this is one that i i think i think boozy might i don't know i have I'm do, i don't know if you'd like it but uh it, it's way more of a horror movie than i was expecting um i thought it was going to be kind of like you know they're making this doctor strange and the multiverse of madness sam raimi's doing it of course i'm excited of course i'll be there day one but they keep right. saying it's a horror movie fuck off that ho- fucking marvel's not going to put out a horror movie with doctor strange it's going to have monsters in it that doesn't mean it's a horror movie this enough, is a true. fucking giallo uh just blood drenched crazy 
murder mystery horror film and i i absolutely i loved it man i i thought the score was just super vibrant and fun you could say the exact same thing about the visuals but um it was really the lead performances from thomas and mckenzie and anya taylor joy that i just fell in love totally. with. like they were I, I did not know like when when the movie started i wasn't sure how i felt about thomas and mckenzie and i didn't know how i would relate possibly relate to a movie about this teenage girl who wants to go off to london to be in fashion school but holy shit, like that's a, the I think the fashion thing takes such a backseat because that's not what they're actually trying to comment on here. It's the mystery at hand. That's just the, the overall canvas, the setting of the film. Um, but the I think the fashion really sinks in where the movie has a lot to say about identity yeah, and how totally. people perceive themselves and how they how they show themselves to the world. And you also you see that in in all of the, the mirror shots, which is, you know, an Italian staple. And that can also seem like a very, I hate to say this word because I, I don't know why I'm going to say it, but I want to wedgie every single fuck who's ever said say this it, word in their life, up. but it's kind of a pedestrian auteur. Um, like the, oh, anyone who says God, I need to know you. what I, oh, I, I fucking hate that. Yeah, no, but geez. like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's such an easy thing to, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a really edgy director. So guess what? The whole movie is going to be one shot. It's going to be a one or I'm going to have a bunch of crazy camera tricks. Uh, the movie, yeah, I see what you're That's saying. It does not read that way at no, all. No, because Wright no. is a masterful director and an even better storyteller. Like there are moments in this where I'm like, how the fuck did he pull this off? And uh, that guy with the boulder face, Matt, is his name Matt? Oh, Smith? Matt Boulderface. Yeah, no, I, I forget his name. He's, he's, uh, he's Doctor Who, right? Yeah, yeah. He's good in this too, though. Like uh, oh, I, just, yeah. I really like the energy, even just talking about it now. I'm surprised that this thing cracked my top five because when I left the theater, I was like, I think that might be top three right for me. And as of right now, I think it still might be. Like Shaun of the Dead is still my favorite and Scott Pilgrim comes to mind. But I really, really love Last Night in Soho. And uh, I recommend it to people if you haven't checked it out yet. I, I think it's definitely a must-see this year something you got to at least see to to know if you're going to vibe with it or not because i feel like there's a lot of people out there who aren't checking it out because they were turned off by the trailer and it's it's really not it's so much more horror than the trailer right i'm right here i'm I'm right here yeah there's more going on than just that for sure i know i'm i'm still on my list to watch it's just i i'm looking looking at the trailer i'm like this probably isn't my kind of thing but if it's not like the trailer then that's great i mean it is but it's also like it's way more horror than i think okay, it yeah was. and that's and that's great because i expected it to kind of be really light on the horror it'll turn into that uh what was that Lindsay lohan movie where she was the dead stripper and she had to figure out who killed her. oh my I god i know who killed me classic. yeah <laughs> it's classic I, I cannot holy shit what a double feature last night in soho and i know who killed me i think uh just i don't know i don't know if you'd love life. i don't know if you'd love that movie in 10 years i don't know if you'd love this one boozy I don't know if you'd no, love it, but I think you would get something out of it. Maybe more than what you're anticipating right now. Right. Definitely check it out. Okay. It's really good. I really liked it. Just talking about it now, mate. It's one of the, it's the first one that we've talked about today or that I've talked about where I'm like, fuck, I want to watch this tonight. I might watch it afterwards. Uh, Cause I've only watched this one once, but yeah, I really, really liked it. So that's my number six. Moving on to you, Kyle. Okay, so number six, uh, my number six is St. Maud. Isn't this Kyle's turn? <laughs> oh i'm pretty sure it's kyle's turn but also okay. higher okay higher. higher. okay perfect it's all well, that doesn't matter too, kyle it's higher for me too yeah oh i hadn't even know you i didn't even know you seen it okay awesome all right so saint Maud is <laughs> number six yeah 
I love it. I love yours. Okay, my number six is Malignant. Oh, higher. 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 Okay. Okay. (laughs) Understood. All right, Mitch, what's your number six? Is there a way that I could have my opinion of lower put into this? (laughs) Oh, Mitch, I was waiting for someone to say something. So you did a Creed reference. You just Um, cut the whole thing. Right. Boozy, you should do like an after show where it's like Boozy's lower hour. Or you just. (laughs) Or just the end of this episode will be Kyle and I explaining malignant to. Right. I think it'd be really funny if it was just me listening to this back after like the people already heard it and commenting on like, this is the part where Mitch says something stupid. You keep pausing every five seconds. Oh, and they're wrong again for this reason. See, some point out how wrong they are. Check out subsection B to understand why Kyle is wrong yet again. (laughs) Okay. So are we on to top fives now? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, we are. This is madness. I'm certain this is, I'm certain this we're going to be continuing on. I love it. (laughs) Can't believe it. Can't believe it's only number five. Uh, Also, why do I keep saying that? Number five is a great place. Candyman. Mia DaCosta's Candyman. Higher. Wow. Not on your list, Boozy? Uh, It is. Is it higher? It it was this one. Oh, okay. So we're tied? Yeah. All right. So now we got to wait for Kyle to get to Candyman. I guess that's fine. That's fine yeah okay i'll do my number five question mark <laughs> yeah One, okay two three four five all right five. this is exciting top five yeah. okay my number five is my heart can't beat unless you tell it to yeah, it was my number three last year so yeah of course mitch saw this last year this one became a little bit more widely available in 2021 so i considered it 2021 boozy is does this are on your list at all or is this a last year thing for you he saw I continue year. on yeah okay. it was last year gotcha okay so uh we've definitely talked about this film on the show before uh this is jonathan uh cortez just double checking uh this is a really really special quite intimate horror film vampire film without giving too much away um well, you just did well <laughs> just kidding it's, come on. it's pretty obvious it's in the, the, it's, it's in the it's right pretty up. obvious yeah, yeah. um and just a little bit of background on it it's about a brother and sister who take care of their other sibling to various extremes to uh i don't know if i want to get much away but essentially it really deals with family dynamic in a extremely <laughs> tragic heartfelt and earnest way and what you'll do for your family and what you'll do for them. yeah and it it focuses on that in a really really direct way but at the same time, there's a lot to kind of chew on in this film. I love how quiet and minimal and collected the film is. It's really, it, it can be complex. This is the kind of film you could write a, a complete like thesis on if, if you wanted to. But at the same time, it really delivers everything to you straight. That's, yeah. that's what I love about it because it's, it's not so simple. It, it is so simple, but it but it's not yeah not not to discredit it. It that's what makes that's it a compliment. It's definitely a compliment. Like I think that's what stands out to me from this film is because you're left with just really a chill watching this film. You're left with something to like really yeah chew on and think about and dissect. It's uh, simple so that you can spend more time with these characters, and I think that's like the biggest hinge of that. Totally. I think it's also like you could watch it like I think a lot of people I I hope more people have seen it at this point because it's on right. shutter now 
yeah. it's available now and this is a movie that i just blew to no end last year and uh, i will continue to it's become one of my favorite movies and not just because that's my homie and i, I love jonathan but like i i loved the movie so much before i even knew he existed you know like it mm-hmm. was just kind of it's one of those things where i'm just well, the title grateful. alone you know yeah exactly it's, it's a, a norma jean title, title song or a, a fall but sorry yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh that's how we became buddies oh that's it's uh I don't know. I, th- I think there is kind of that, uh, I don't know, not emo, but like there's an emotional aspect to this film oh, that's clear, you know, like dude, it's, it's, if, if you saw Jonathan's I, like iPod, like the music he listens to, Kyle, what's an he, iPod? He, if you saw his iBuddy, <laughs> yeah. no, he, he's a, he's a hardcore boy. Well, like, that, this is, that checks he speaks out. our that language, man. And he grew up with the same type, the same type of music, but he grew up in the Miami hardcore scene. Like Jonathan <sighs> is just Love a fucking it. dude. Like just a, stand up yeah sorry I'll just stop. a dude being a bro being a guy being a dude honestly there's some dudeness about this film but in a, in a really guy type way um <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know like i guess i won't go on too much because like i said we've talked about it before but i finally got around to seeing it this year and it was a definitely a standout for me i think if you're if you're looking for something that's a little bit quieter a little but mm-hmm it's it's darker in a way that's not like it there's aspects that are for sure depressing but i wouldn't call this movie a downer at the same time like i oh, think man. it's i think it's such a downer and that's why i love it well i don't know i think i, I wouldn't quite consider it a downer i think it's beautiful i think it is beautiful and i think what works about it is it, it it delivers what it's talking about directly and right away mm-hmm. so for me it has that lingering feeling that by the time the film is over like, I feel like I've, I've gone through everything with this family in a, in a really concise way. Um, and I guess just personally for me, I found that to be almost like cathartic in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, really love this one. Highly recommend. That is my number five. My heart nice. can't beat unless you tell it to. That's so great to hear. And I'm very happy to like because that was one of those movies where I saw it. I was like, oh, man, Kyle would love this one because yeah. it was like it was Scott Hamilton's favorite of the festival last year. And uh, like we, you know, we all kind of generally like the same types of stuff. And uh, it's one that just like it's grown for me over time. Jonathan was nice enough to send a screener over to Jesse Sawitzki and I while we were gearing up to film The Druid's Hand because I kept on talking about it to Jesse and watching it beside Jesse was like a man with no heart. Like Jesse has zero fucking beating heart in his chest. Oh, man. He's just an asshole. Jesse's heart can't beat until you tell it to. Yeah, Jesse's heart won't beat even if you tell it to. But uh, he was fucking floored by the movie. And I was just like, oh, man, this is a guy who just he doesn't normally understand art. So it was really nice that he absolutely loved it as well. (laughs) No, it's uh, shout out. (laughs) It's it's truly it's one of those ones I've just I've watched so many times now. And it seems weird when you when I hope listeners reach out or like, you know, go to look for it. It's on Shutter. Um, and it's been really nice seeing because it, you know, this he released this movie. We were the first people to play it through the pandemic in Saskatoon. And now since it's played, it's been winning awards like crazy. It's like been at the top of some really prestigious uh film list of the year. So I'm just very, very proud of my now friend. He's just a great, great human being. And he was a huge mentor for me on the Druid's hand. So uh I'm very happy to see it on this list. I will shut uh boozy, you're number five. My numero five o is Slumber Party Massacre. Baby. Beautiful. Is it on your list, Kyle? It is. Great. It was, it was it your was, number 10. It was my yeah, number I think 10. It's, yeah. yeah, I think this is the highest for this one. Okay, so we can all talk about Slumber Party Massacre now. So who goes first? It was my number nine. Kyle, I'll go first Mitch. quickly. 
Uh, my, my number 10, I'll say um, this was a really fun one to visit as a double feature with the original Summer Party Massacre because I think not that they need to be washed in that way, but there's just it's it's a great experience because clearly they're commenting on each other to some extent. It gives you some interesting insight into what they're trying to say and do. Well, and even just as time goes on to see like how these discussions change and matter over the course of 30 years or whatever. So I think this film tackles it in a, in a really, really uh, creative way. And I actually really like feel like the word creative might gets might be used too often, but I truly mean that because the first like 20 minutes of this film, I was like, what are Because you guys have already seen it and you told me that you really enjoyed it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like I've, I'm clearly missing something here. Like, and I couldn't, I didn't really anticipate a huge like shift in it either. And then it, it does make a direct shift in a, in a really, uh, uh, I don't know, persistent turn that makes the film something really, really meaningful and special. So uh, this is definitely don't judge a book by its cover type film, in my opinion. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, and uh, it was my number nine. And yes, yeah, so like D- Dinesh Esterhazy, the, uh, the writer director of this one, I think she successfully reinvigorated a slasher classic and managed to surpass its original on all fronts. Like, I think this movie, like, Agreed, I really totally. like the original Slumber Party Massacre, but I love Esther Hazy's remake. And I think the thing I felt, it felt like such a breath of fresh air, like for for so many different reasons. One of them being it provided that there's, it, it proved that there's still juice in the tank for the slasher subgenre when a lot of other ones have kind of disappointed me recently. And two, it actually had something to say, something intelligent to say, and its statements were highlighted through the ridiculous nature and sexism in slasher films without berating the audience for outdated tropes. Like, it's not going, yeah, you hear that, men? You guys suck. It's like, yeah, we know we suck. Like, especially white guys. They, we, we fucking blow. Historically, but it's a fact. There is a really entertaining way to go about this without just bashing you over the head. And like, it's not like the movie isn't anything but subtle, but that's like what's so fucking good about it. Like, instead, she used humor and inversion to lovingly poke fun at what it what was once the norm in horror movies. And uh, I thought the characters were fun. The killer was super memorable and the kills were a riot especially on the big screen. It was really nice seeing this one with an audience at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival this year. I had already seen it at that point, but people were erupting at all the best parts. I really, really, I fucking love this movie. I will say uh, on the second time that I watched it, the reason it's a little bit lower at my list now is the second time around kind of just, if there's one negative I could say is I think it does kind of drop the ball a little bit at the very end. Um, specifically the last like 20 minutes where they incorporate another trope from a very, very famous slasher uh, series that I just, I didn't, I didn't think it needed it, but at the same time, it does so many things just like it it is such a brisk watch. It is so fun. The kills are fucking nuts. Um, I love slumber party massacre. So boozy, why is it your number five? It's really hard to follow it up because you guys said so much smart and intelligent <laughs> things and I can't just go like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm a hype man or something. I will say, I think that I, I taking in the consideration for this movie is like Kyle had mentioned, it was very uh, insightful and I think probably the best way to watch it, watching the original and this one to see because they're both fun. We got, I, I'm 
during our episode, we did mention we had a lot of fun watching both of these. So watching the new one, I, I think that once again, like saying how fun it is, is this movie has a big time air of rewatchability. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's also a, an air of you can you can have a casual viewing audience of people who maybe aren't as versed on everything mm-hmm. about a horror movie. And you can put it into something like this. And the fact that it can put all those things together, which make it sound like it's just going to be something that's forgotten about right away as kind of that run of the mill like oh look we just updated whatever because that's exactly what it could have been is look we just updated such and such blah 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 uh but they didn't they did an excellent job for this and they made something fun that that i think is going to stick around i think people are going to really like this one this is going to be something you're gonna you're gonna watch at those like horror parties you know stuff like that yeah yeah who's having horror parties i want to go to a horror party I don't know. I, I assume that, that that kind of stuff, like it's like get together. It's like, how, that be like I assume what, this this movie is like for a, a younger Mitch or a Mitch in training right now. Uh, or, I think a younger Mitch wouldn't have been smart enough for this movie. And that's no. not even that's not a knock against like, you know, it's one. of. I feel like this one is one of those ones where you'd be like, guys, guys, totally. Yeah, I know I showed you some really weird shit before. This one's fun. That, that's that I that's what I get out of this. It's like teeth, but different. The shower yeah. scene, the shower scene in a theater full of people. Man, the feminist statement is so fucking brilliant in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like handled so well. And it not once, like that's what I was meaning is it doesn't feel like it's just berating you over the fucking head. This is the way to go about it. This is the way I don't I don't even want to bring up the other movie's name because I feel bad for punching down on it all the time. But Black Christmas, the, the remake of Black <clears throat> Christmas. Fucking eat it. Yeah. Which one's that again? Which one? <laughs> but no slumber party massacre just proved like it's like man this movie does all of that so right and so True. fun for both parties yeah. we're in a good time right now we have Slumber party massacre we have matrix resurrections things oh are looking God, up. shut the fuck up can we please move on i think things are looking up we have that really bad i know what you did last summer yeah did that yeah. come out yeah, yeah boozy i abandoned it some of it oh god um that's awesome. bad yeah no that's great movie i'm really happy so do we have any movies that are on all three of our lists so far i think slumber party massacre is the first yeah i think you're right that's right yeah so that's a tear table certification right there yeah okay so i'm at my number four and it's one of those things where i I didn't realize just how much i loved the movies i saw this year because like i love all 10 of these movies and this one could have very well been a number one and my number four pick is antlers higher yes oh god at least i was just so happy to know that you liked it because i know you watched it but like oh, okay thank god didn't see it didn't oh, see it alert okay i just didn't I see can't. alert <laughs> alert can't do another conversation with a dummy um, yeah, but all right antlers number four for me so kyle all right dummies up okay <laughs> uh so <laughs> this is a television series Ooh. oh i love that um this one well i mean (laughs) it's been talked about a lot but yeah i know exactly what it is but i had to pick it go guys the new season of mama rue is mama rue off the hook (laughs) so this by number four is squid game hey okay okay yeah i uh i feel like if we're gonna talk about 2021 as a year of of media like we I I have to include Squid Game. So Dude, it was the Tiger King of this year. Right? It absolutely yeah. was. Yeah. Every everybody's seen it. Everybody everybody's seen it, and it, that's, that's a great that, way to put it. That's a really fun aspect of watching and talking about it. 
it's mind-blowing that a foreign language film i guess people are probably watch with dubs too like lots of dubs. <laughs> the dub no, is they learned uh, they learned the language the, and came yeah. back to it <laughs> no it's just like I, I was just thinking i'm like it's mind-blowing that a mo- that like a korean series is like so huge just because i know a lot of people can't read um, well, i think it's a. Uh... I would, I, to an extent, maybe not totally, but I do think Parasite helped for that because Parasite having yeah. such a big year right before it, I think, you know, just generally speaking, shout out Parasite, people, shout out Parasite, help people sort of, uh, I don't know, get past some of the bullshit of not watching films with subtitles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, Squid Game, I imagine ninety nine point nine percent of the people listening know everything about Squid Game, uh, but this is a fantastic series that is just like the most binge worthy thing I saw this year. I mean, that's probably what everyone describes it as, but there is really, really gripping dramatic elements, some comedic elements. And the story is just tight. It's a really tight story. And the set pieces are unlike anything else I've seen this year. It's, it's extravagant. It's simple in the best way. And it has that kind of like childlike connection to it, that like schoolyard connection of like competition that is that thorough line throughout the film that, just makes everything so engaging that game aspect of it is what i think makes it so watchable and it's also what makes the horror really um i don't want to say palatable but it makes it accessible it's probably the word to use it It, the horror in this is like gruesome but like everybody who isn't a horror fan or isn't into you know genre stuff really fucked with squid game this year and i think that's just a testament to like how you can pull off a story like this in a really effective way and um it it the only thing i will say about squid game is i still don't know if i fuck with uh the vips that's the one thing that's still kind the of the americans you the americans Me yeah. too, man that's the that's like the only thing about the whole show that's I wasn't the only crazy thing about. but at the same time it's still kind of it's kind of funny I, I don't think it's supposed to be funny but it's a funny watch so anyways that's the only thing uh because at with that token, I think Squid Game is like almost perfect. It's a great show. Um, Mitch did mention like, hey, let's consider putting television series on the on the docket this year. And so when we were talking about that, I thought, well, sure, why not? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Squid Game where it rightfully deserves to be. So that's my number four of 2021. All right, are you guys ready for my number four? Can I? I just want to quickly weigh in, just shortly. I loved Squid Game as well, and I'm so tired of like. There's so many people who just like kind of poo-pooed on it i think because it was super popular and it's well, that's bound to happen that just happens yeah it does but the thing is like squid game was like you said the most like binge like it was a, impossible to not binge there's a cultural stuff. movement which is awesome oh my god and it's funny because this is absolutely nothing like squid game but you had mentioned something about how it's like it has that childlike whimsy to it like the schoolyard games things it's kind of like when i was a kid i had so many friends who had toxic avenger toys where it's like, how the fuck are you watching Toxic Avenger? <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, great, great show. Uh, big, yeah, I was a big fan of that one as well. So, um, all right, we're going on to Boozy's number four. Yeah, so my number four, this is in the spirit of also, I think this year is a year of having a good time. So my number four is VHS 94. Oh, boy. oh wow. Wow. Wicked. Yeah. Not I on my th- list, but that's that's wicked, dude. Hail Ratma. Hail Ratma. Kyle, higher. Never, uh, never peeped. Didn't, didn't peep. Hadn't Doesn't peeped know yet. Ratma. Yeah. Kyle, you need to start hailing Ratma and, and doing a lot less of whatever. I barely understand right the meme. I'll put it that way. It's great, and you need to get in on it. Understood. I'm honestly surprised that this is so high on your list, and that's awesome. 
to me. Like I, I'll be I honest, that. I haven't seen this, and I'm not surprised it's on Boozy's list. Mm-hmm. Something, something about it screams Boozy. Boozy, were you previously like a huge fan of the VHS movies before this one? Um, I haven't even seen all of them. I believe yeah, I've see, only that's, seen. Yeah, that's what I mean by it, though. And I, like, I knew when I saw the Ratma sketch, which is the very first one. Which mm-hmm. so Kyle, you can watch that. Like, it's wild. We're also gonna be doing an episode on it right away here. So that I'm fuck yeah. Sorry, you keep going. Yeah. So I kind of wrestled with wanting this to not wanting it, but figuring out where it would go on my list in terms of higher or lower. And just kind of coming back to this one is I've watched this, I think, three times now. Are you serious? Holy. Yeah. But it's just the and and obviously, like we talked about before, that certain segments aren't as strong as other ones to it. I think it's once again, just something where it's an enjoyable film to maybe have on while you're doing other stuff or like, I feel like this, this is a film that I'm going to watch multiple times and pick up small things within them. And I think that with these smaller stories, you also get to encompass moving through everything quicker. There's just something overall I really like about uh, this series. And I think that the, some of the actual scares that each director came up with are very important and very interesting what they've done with them and and once again i think we talked about this uh, when we talked about vhs before is just having that kind of 90s feel to it and maybe it is uh not a recency bias but a bias of like something i grew up with where i remember watching like these weird ass vhs's where you had to squint to kind of see what was going on even in like older horror movies and it's not because they were filmed poorly it's just because of the transfer and what you're getting out of that vhs tape that kind of makes it creepier i love that you can't fully see what's going on i that that was like such a fresh part of what they did with the series by making it set in the 90s you know and i'm pretty sure actually wasn't the first one set in the 90s but like it just didn't even you know i want to say that it is hard to do anthologies that make you want to go back right away i feel like a lot of um you kind of toss and turn on i think this one has some real fun stuff because you need to watch the first segment to hail ratma yeah hail ratma hail ratma all right so we are now on to number threes Mitch, hit us with a number three. Welcome to our number threes. And I have no idea. I know Boozy already had mentioned, one of you had already mentioned this one. And all of us had said it. Everyone said that it was higher. Uh, my number three is Saint Maud. My number yep. three as well. That was my number six. Okay. So Boozy, do you want to lead us off with your thoughts on Saint Maud? So I thought Saint Maud, it started off really really slow and I knew going in that that was its intention and it just kind of kept ramping that way and building this this character and these uh this relationship dynamic between this power struggle you have between your two main characters and as that progressed kind of watching that and it started getting more and more aggressive it was kind of like watching like a, a virus kind of take over this and it turned more gruesome and shout out Omicron yeah, and shout out, shout out B2K, Omarion. <laughs> the Omarion strain. Um, anyway, where was I going with that? Anyway, I, I just loved that it kept it kept feeling like a disease through this movie, that it kept getting darker and darker, and it, it kept towing these lines and making uh, statements that kind of loosely take jabs at religion and stuff. Like I, I thought this was an incredible film. Um, and maybe I would have it higher on my list if I had 
watched it again more recently because I remember watching this at the start of the year and I was like either way this is definitely going to be on my list so and I just remember how how memorable the ending was and it was really powerful to watch that whole thing go down fuck yeah awesome so Kyle it's your number three as well it is yeah and you know this one in my number two I went back and forth on quite a bit so I mean at this point like they're all these are all heavy hitters for me pretty much they really are um yeah man Seymour was fucking fantastic definitely a bit of a slow burn kind of like what you're talking about boozy but i think in the best way because oh like, yeah I, I don't mean that as a negative no i know i know i know you didn't but i think that's what i would definitely like if i had to just kind of describe this film quickly like that's a great way to describe it but in a really fantastic way i love the way the film spirals out of control like and like kind of like the virus kind of connection you're talking about where like things end up just like taking over the film itself in a lot of different ways like between especially our lead and then uh, the person she's caring for, like their connection, like is like, it's really, it's insidious. Like it, it's like, it really affects each other in such a connective way that I don't know if I've seen anything else this year, really, except maybe one other thing, but it's really different. But uh, I would say that for me, the, the religious aspect was something that I really took away from actually, because I think that kind of, um, uh guilt that our lead feels and the, and the way that they try to just exist basically and how other parts of their lives are hindering them from being themselves and expressing themselves the way they want to is is really subtle and the whole film is subtle but to me that was like a huge huge moment for me and just in film in general this year i thought simon was extremely striking i love the way this film looks i love the way it feels probably one of the darkest things I've seen this year in some ways. I think Mitch, you told me a, a while back being like, okay, I've heard people have seen it. I don't think anyone said seen it at this point, but you said something on the lines of, okay, I know people have seen it and it's not what any of us really think it is. And some people don't even think it's a horror movie and yeah. there might be some mixed opinions on this. So like, I'm excited to see it kind of think is what the fuck is this movie going to be about or what's, how are we going to respond to it? And that was the only thing stuck in my head while watching this. I was like, okay, I think I'm in for a ride, but I don't know what ride I'm about to land on. And for me, this was like exactly what I needed. I think St. Maud was like, honestly, great because I feel like A24 haven't really been hitting it too hard as of lately. But for me, have you seen Lamb? I haven't seen Lamb and I've been okay, meaning so, to watch it. Yeah, that's right. I, I have a little I list of the ones that I haven't seen yet this year that I think could be contenders. And Lamb is at the top of that list. And that's I haven't cool. had a chance to see it. I've seen Lamb. You saw Lamb? Yeah, I saw you saw that. I, I need to check it out. I think that might be the outlier, but I think I think St. Maud is is a cool example of you know that style of like A24 core oh. sort of horror, but it's one of in, their in a best. different it's one of their best. And I think, but at the same time, it's progressive. It's not totally exactly what you're thinking when I say that. So yeah, for that reason, it really stood out to me. And yeah, I love this movie. Fuck yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is also my number three. Um, this was another movie that had a really complicated release, like you had said, yeah, Kyle. Like <laughs> it was originally it premiered at TIFF in 2019, and then it was released in the UK in 2020, but it didn't reach Canada until 2021. And I usually do a pretty good job of keeping my finger on the pulse of what's going on in like festival circuits, but I somehow managed to miss all of the hype and the discourse of this thing. Uh, up until right when I was just about to see it. And that's what I was telling you is that a lot of people were saying this isn't a horror movie. And then I watched, I was like, what the fuck are these fucking lunatics talking about? Like, this is a straight up horror movie. Like, it's just a very 2021 horror movie or 2019 horror movie. 
uh it's it's very like rose glass this is her directorial debut she wrote and directed this thing and my god Insane. what an impression to leave um to have this as one of your to have this as your first feature is just absolutely insane um i have a really strong connection to religious horror though i'm not overly bothered by religious horror in my current age i still love what this subgenre is capable of producing and there's so many terrifying facets within religion but the scariest thing in this day and age is the overly pious lunatics who believe it all and reflect all of the grim shit that's recorded in catholic scripture so this movie there are people who just believe this reminds me a lot of another recent horror movie that was a very influential this this movie and a dark song were very influential on me making my first foray into horror with the Druid's Hand, my first foray into filmmaking. I promise I'm not going to become that. Talks about my my own shit all the time. This was one of those movies that really, really inspired me. And the reason it did is it did exactly what I'm trying to do with the Druid's Hand. What Jesse and I are trying to do is it's the filmmaking is like straddling the line between skepticism, belief, and delusion and reality. And I think this movie is a tremendous psychological supernatural horror movie. And it's without a doubt one of my very favorite films of the year. This was one of the first ones I saw this year. And for the longest time, it was my number one. The movies kept coming in. They just kept, you know, like Smash Mouth said, the days start coming and they don't stop coming. Yeah, that happened true. with movies. Yeah. And same mod, like earlier today, it was my number seven. And then... I like went back and was, you know, reading my initial thoughts on it because I wrote some reviews and I was like, man, this is absolutely one of your favorite movies of the year. And just that brief trip back down memory lane, you know, a short one year ago when I saw this was enough for me to be like, oh, no, this is without a doubt one of my top three favorite horror movies of the year. And I absolutely love it. So um, St. Maud, like I said, too, while you were talking is like, I'm a fan of what A24 does. I love that they're letting, you know, younger or newer filmmakers take bigger swings or, you know, they're they're taking chances on some really obscure stories. CC Lamb and, you know, The Witch, the fucking uh, Hereditary. Like there's so many different examples of this. But I think that same mod is one of those ones that it needs more praise than it's getting. And yeah, I think totally. the praise actually it deterred a lot of people. I think I know quite a few people who are a little underwhelmed by it and that's totally understandable. But what I love about horror movies, specifically religious horror movies, this movie checks like almost all the boxes and it's absolutely fucking devastating at the end. But it's also yeah, like, it's, it's it, I was, it's one of those ones where I was like laughing. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like actually my number two did this as well, where I was just like, I love how fucking dark it is. Yeah, it's so fun to watch too. Oh like, yeah, because you can't. It's like it's you so can't turn mean. away. It's so mean and so wild that it you is can't mean. help but kind yeah. of giggle because you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's ruthless in like a really interesting way. You know, oh, it's on Netflix in Canada. I think it's still on Netflix in Canada. But if you, if listeners out there haven't seen it, this is is this now the second film that's been on all three of our lists? I believe mm -hmm. so. So another terrible stamp of approval yeah so we got slumber party massacre and saint Maud are the two that are on all three of our lists here that's cool i never would have expected that actually that's cool yeah yeah cool um all right who's up next boozy yeah boozy you're number three because that was both of our number threes yeah okay yeah because you guys have the same one all right so my number three 
is and i'm sure you're gonna be like no but my number three is halloween kills <laughs> oh wow i thought this was gonna be number one yeah me no. too i thought this yeah, was for sure no. number one i um, knew this was coming and just before we start i just want to say fucking have at her kid and just i'm so happy your time you to shine it. i'm muting I, myself it actually kills me no pun intended that i'm not down this path with you because i know boozy the way that we started this new david gordon green halloween series was you and i did our a full series on every single halloween movie that was some of the most fun i've had on the show absolutely and i take absolutely no joy in not being able to follow you down that mm -hmm. path but mm -hmm. i am so happy that you love it I just wish I could be there with you, but Boozy Kyle literally did mute himself. <laughs> Kyle just fucking hates this movie. I'm back. Here's what I will say. I actually have this listed as an honorable mention. It's because you've only seen 12 movies. Wow. <laughs> well, fair, but also because I did enjoy watching this one back to back with uh, the film before, because I think that was it. That was actually, I think if I were to watch Halloween kills, like the way Mitch did, where he waited for it to come out, I think I actually would have liked this movie a lot less having the ability to watch them back to back. I did, I did gain something out of it. Like I didn't straight up hate this movie. I do think it's a drop in quality. That being said, I, I think Can't like for Halloween ends, I'm going to be interested to watch the whole trilogy eventually. Cause, cause I think that's going to, that'll be the ultimate test. I think that'll be the test. That'll be like, okay, like what is this body of work? It might be the glue that puts them all together. Exactly. Anyway, but not likely, but it could, it could. I do like this one more than 2018. I think it's more fun. So uh, there's insane moments. But Boozy, tell our listeners about how much you love Halloween Kills. So first off, I, I will agree with Kyle because I did go and watch, after this, I did go and watch 2018 back-to-back -back with Kills just, just to see, it, because he had mentioned that, how, how that did fit in there. And I, he's totally right. I think I gained a, a new appreciation for it that way. Just having that experience of watching where they take Michael directly from 2018. Um, I understand the the drop in quality in terms of the annoying, uh, like the evil dies tonight. Like we, we've discussed this at length. Yes, that is annoying. But I find that a lot of movies have a character point or a catchphrase or something that does annoy you but it is something that you can get past because i find this whole story of having the the big chase through the whole town and kind of the rallying of everybody i i like some of that i understand that it does feel a little bit forced with some of them that you're like hey i saw you in the last one we're best friends i understand that there is a little bit of that and i understand that they were trying to go for more of an element of trauma bonding so some of those character points don't work as well but i think that they finally they really landed on giving us a solid lore of what the boogeyman is in terms of michael and and showing uh kind of what fills in your brain in certain scenes that they never showed you in this the fact that he literally does just get up it and he just keeps getting up and i i love the fact that they added in this point that he's he's kind of a I don't want to use virus again as a term, but he's cult like of this, thorn. Yeah, he's like this spirit that that haunts them. Doing the cult of thorn again, just without the name. You know what? As long as they're not like showing off tattoos and stuff, whatever. We like the cult of thorn. I thought I know. <laughs> I don't want everybody to all of a sudden have the tattoo because yeah. like I hated when Michael was just like rolling up his sleeve all of a sudden. Yeah, check out my ink. 
It, it's just the fact that like you'd think about someone tattooing him. I know who the fuck tattooed Michael Myers. It's just some grimy tattoo shop yeah. at like 4 a.m. They have to cart him in there. Don't kill this guy. But all that aside, I thought the the violence was really good. There's still a couple moments of levity uh, that's always in the, the script or the last two at least with Danny McBride. You're feeling a lot of those characters. You have the the big John and little John. I still think that was a great little scene and kind of. <laughs> Uh, it, God about that. I kind of like that it defused the Myers house in this one because that means in ends the Myers house is going to be vacant and all spooky and hopefully be nuked because they got a new Haddonfield. That's the only way they're going to be able to end this evil. That's true. Actually, they got That's a new kid. That'd be cool. Fuck, I would lo- like. I was telling on cobwebs. I was like, I need Jamie Lee Curtis riding in like Ernest goes to the army with the bucket hat in a in a fucking tank. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about for Michael. Who could forget, I guess. <laughs> Who could forget Ernest? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this film is, has really grown on me and I am really looking forward. You loved it when it came out. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're no, it's, I'm turning, I'm talking about like, and don't ever apologize for that. No, no, I'm talking about it's grown on me in terms of how it connected from the last one, having seen that full motion. And I think it gives gotcha. a little bit of appreciation if you yeah. choose to go down that route. And the nicest thing I can say about there's two incredibly nice things I can say about this movie is that the kills are fucking insane. Uh, like there are some absolutely gnarly, brutal kills. It's pretty wild seeing Michael Myers be the predator, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, and this is the best he's looked since mm-hmm. John Carpenter's original. I think the shape looks fucking awesome they in that just movie. Keep making the mask look cooler. Just I know. Just I keep burning it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep burning it throw some poison on it maybe they'll do the chucky thing and throw him through like a conveyor belt and he'll have the stitches on the mask yeah throw some pocket sand in his eye okay so halloween kills is boozy's number three so we are on to number twos you guys numero number two did i do that right numero dos um yeah i I told you i'm trying to learn a new language this year i just haven't decided which one um you're asking two other people who don't know the language yeah you're doing great you're doing great i'm gonna go with my number two okay hit it this is a movie that jumped from, it went from my number 10 to my number two upon rewatch. My number two is Julia DeCarno's Titane. Higher. Oh boy. Wow. So T, I, I just heard on a, on a, I listened to an interview today that it's not called Titan, it's called Titan or uh, how do we, do we say it? Titan. Titan. Fucking crazy movie. Okay. We'll get back to it. All right. So Ooh. it's higher on your list. So Kyle, what's your number two? My number two uh, is from guess what year, guys? It's Nia Costa's Candyman. <laughs> oh, okay. So this ain't this isn't on your list, Boozy? Yes, it is. That was my number six. Oh, oh, Sick. okay. Yeah. Oh, on okay. yours, Mitch. I was waiting to talk about this one. I think that's where we might have gotten confused because I don't remember Boozy nominating Candyman. I, I think so, because yeah. we, we skipped like a bunch all at one time. I think Boozy skipped Sick. his and was like, no, guys, it's your turn. But it was Candyman. All right, so now we got our third. Bucket. We got our third film of the year uh, that is Love on it. all three of our lists. It is the most talked about horror film on the terror table this year, and that is Candyman. So, uh, Kyle, with it being at the the highest on your list out of everyone, why don't you take us away? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, I, like you said, we've 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 mentioned this film a couple times on the show already, but to me, this just bluntly is the way you do like a sequel, a soft reboot, a 
whatever you want to call it, a continuation, spiritual successor, successor, whatever it is, this is the right way to do it. This, like, people really should be taking notes because need to cost a fair, <laughs> crack the code. Yeah, <laughs> I think obviously there's it, it can be done well and it's been done well before, but to me, this is the best one in, in recent memory. Uh, it pays tribute to the original and the best ways and the right ways while also giving a really, really um, touching, honestly, look at generational trauma and gentrification and using art as kind of the catalyst for all of that in a really interesting way that covers contemporary you know, race politics while also covering a personal narrative and the narrative of Candyman, the lore of Candyman. It's like just, it's, it's, it's really smarter than I am. I think I think there's layers to this film that I'm going to be like peeling back. Cause I think there's a lot, there's a lot happening here while still being, you know, a really fun and engaging horror film uh, that kind of, to me, checks all the boxes. To me, this is just like a straight up great, like somewhat high budget horror film like this this is this is the, to me this is the template i think Candyman does it right awesome so that's kyle's number two i also hate the bathroom scene now i have to say that one more <laughs> oh time. and shout out the bathroom scene that's the only thing so yeah Candyman, most talked about horror film of the year on the tear table i think it came up uh on 50 or 60 percent of our episodes uh the last <laughs> time that happened was hereditary and i know Love that it. that's that's something we're kind of working on some some reworks on the show we're trying to switch some things around in the new year uh, which we are now in and i think that that's gonna take care of that problem but make no mistake i was so happy to talk about candy man every time someone wanted to talk about it because i'm fucking love this movie bernard rose made one of my absolute favorite 90s horror films and i thought it would be like damn near impossible to make a new iteration of candy man without tony todd I hate to sound like I'm one of those like idiots who rejects anything new, but Tony Todd is Candyman, much like Robert England is Freddie, like Doug Bradley right. is Pinhead. Yeah. But with Jordan Peele producing this thing, I had to believe he knew what he was doing by hiring Nia DaCosta to write and direct it. I know Peele also co-wrote it with another co-writer as well, but I was less cautious once the trailer started dropping, but man, this thing surpassed every expectation that i had had and now at this point i feel like i just need sequels i need sequels to this iteration i need nia DaCosta to do them the style the script the cast the fucking score fuck oh my god philip glass yeah, the score is great yeah it's really good philip glass's Candyman score is iconic and the composer robert Aki aubrey Lowe, uh he did exactly what nia DaCosta did and which is respect the original and he married the original with the brilliant the brilliance of the original with their unique perspective and vision and i just think it's a wonderful powerful and important piece of horror cinema and i want more i fucking loved Candyman, and uh it's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year so boozy thoughts on Candyman? okay so you know there's not a lot i can cover that you guys haven't already <laughs> sorry i just kind of want to mention how how much i in general what really makes me love this film and maybe on a rewatch it'll be higher for me because thinking back on it like i i do love this movie a lot um is i love that they explored the lore in such a fun way that is yeah. almost how uh urban legends really are it's the way that they show it in so many different platforms whether it be like drawn or or spoken or you know like all these different ways that it can be done 
and just to have it or even where it was drawn like how it had it on the mirror inside the gallery but just all this stuff that it reminds you so much of being a kid hearing about the weird stories like not that it was scary but like the urban legend of like oh Marilyn Manson you know <laughs> Marilyn, Marilyn Manson sucked the phone I, I don't I, I just mean those ways that, yeah it's it's just in the in the way that like it it, it is just like that because, right. yeah <laughs> totally no but what i what i'm saying is is those stories like that are like the bloody mary would be a much better example obviously <laughs> no i disagree disagree um okay so what i was trying to get out of, out of that and what i directed it to um is that it, it also reminds me a lot of which is a better uh a version of this is a bloody mary type scenario where it builds so much lore that you or i remember from the schoolyard and takes that whole idea and moves it towards today and moves it towards um, more of a, how would you, like an urban location and dealing with issues that way and still having those myths built in with that and, and adding it to the turmoil that's going on within these areas. I, I love that, that conflict right there because it, it makes this lore feel so much more home for all these people that had to grow up with it. And just really bringing it to the forefront. And I remember when we talked about it before, like the scene with the, you know, like how they how they actually bring Candyman to the the present. Fantastic. Yeah. One of the coolest ways you could do yeah, it. Totally. Like, and and that's that's what this movie, not that it hinges on it, but that's such an important part is how do you bring this character forward to this generation? Yeah. And it's the best way possible, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, to double up on what Kyle was saying too is that Nia DaCosta has basically written a blueprint on how to, you know, reboot, reinvigorate a franchise, um, remake, and still respect its source material. And I think, yeah, respect is like the best way possible. Yeah. But Definitely. like the thing that this movie is going to be known for, I think, as well, is like the time that it came out in and how horror is able to comment on political and social issues in really intelligent ways i think Candyman's one of the best examples of that in recent years and i think that even if there are people out there who feel like it was a little on the nose i think that time is only going to prove that it needed to be i even didn't think it was very on the nose but like you know at the same time like you know the one character's name is brianna and uh, it's a pretty epic fucking ending but it's oh, yeah. it's a fucking gorgeous awesome movie so yeah i love Candyman. We can put this to bed for a little bit unless, you know, some of our upcoming guests start talking about Candyman because <laughs> we, we do nearly talk about this movie every episode. But I think it's I think it deserves it. It's a great movie. Don't think it. Don't say it. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I just want to say that my like my childhood friends, we all had the Candyman urban legend. Like we all watched Candyman as kids, like the area yeah. that I grew up in. And the movie fucking wrecked all of us. Like this was scarier than Nightmare on Elm Street was Candyman. And it was Tony Todd's performance. And also just like, it's such a haunting, fucking creepy movie. And it holds up so well. And uh, they found a way to, they gotta do sequels, man. I, I want more. I want more of this. I'd be okay if they didn't. I'd also be okay if they didn't. But the way that they ended it, the way that they ended it, I need, like, the ending had me, like, on my fucking feet being like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't... I, I kind of agree with Kyle. Like, either way, I either think way. It, it ended in a perfect way yeah. where it's a great standalone. And if they do more with it, sure, perfect. totally. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a great standalone film. Well, Marvel stole Nia DaCosta for the next few years. So, right, right, right. we don't know what's going to happen. But uh, 
yeah. Okay. So that was um, that was my number two. That was your number two. So boozy, yeah. we're on to your number two. Correct. So my number two is antlers. Woo! Huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. I I think this movie was kind of stuck for a long time, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And that's usually a sign of a not great film. But not that I COVID. hold anything. Yes, not that I hold anything against it, but it was it, that was kind of a thing that because at the start I wasn't that interested in this film, yeah. and then the more it kind of built up, and I'm glad I finally got to see it, and I got to see it recently. So maybe there's a little bit of recency re, uh, recency bias with that. There isn't. It's awesome. But it, yeah, I think that it does such a great job of giving you the story of all this deep lore. It, once again, like kind of how we mentioned with Candyman, it gives you so much of this lore and watch as the progression of what is some of the wildest shit you will ever see and so violent and it it doesn't hold back and it it's really ag- aggressive and there's there's kids always like at play and we always talk about how crystal when, meth wendigo yeah and <laughs> like we always talk about though when kids get involved in storylines there's there's a little bit more heightened urgency with that and to see it where kids are in danger for quite a bit of it 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 heightens it and just the overall tension of it and we had to talk about basically like the creature design yes it's I'm, incredible i'm so relieved boozy because i'm Unfortunately, there's been a lot of dummies out there who don't like really like, there's been so many so much dunking on this movie of and people patting themselves on the back because they think they're smarter than it and that's like not the case at all right but sorry i'm just kind of this is one that's close to my heart because this could have been my number one as well uh, and maybe it's just me talking directly to you mitch where i can kind of draw these parallels where we don't get these certain kind of films that often. We get a, we get to pluck a couple from each decade that it's these kind of creature features that don't have any sort of franchise or anything. Yeah. They're kind of just these one-offs. And, I, and I'll mention to like uh, Antlers for sure, because it, it's the start of this Wendigo thing. And it's going to be basically any movie that tries to do anything with Wendigos from now on is going to have to compete with this. And I'd probably say overall, this is probably the best. It wrapped it. Exactly. So scott cooper wrapped the wendigo story with this yeah and you have those kind of creature feature movies like that and i also want to put something like shout out to what a movie that i I love all the time is like underworld where it's or underwater sorry not underworld (laughs) i also love underworld but yes the little known film underworld but it's like it's like underwater you have (laughs) these kind of fun creature featurey movies that give you a deep lore and get you to play around with it while also realizing it's a creature feature that just wants to be violent. I'm so, so happy to hear that you enjoyed this because when I walked out of the theater, this was, you know, I, I had mentioned on my review when I initially saw it that I was like, the last time I remember this happening was Annihilation mm-hmm. where I walked out of a theater and I was like, Boozy, you got to go see this. <sighs> like, this is so much your shit. And what a mean ending too. Oh man, the movie is mean as hell. And I've noticed almost maybe more than ever that there were people out there who are really rooting for this thing to suck. Yeah. Like there was a lot of people out there who really decided before they went into it that they were not going to like it. And it's because a lot of folks have really strong opinions on Scott Cooper. And if anything, I think that just proves how important of a filmmaker he is in this day and age. We have one side of the coin saying that he makes poverty porn. I've heard that tossed around a lot because uh, this is the director who did Crazy Heart, Black Mass, Out of the Furnace, Hostiles. I'm going to have to check that out in my search history there. Yeah, <laughs> but no, and uh, he he's overtly mean mm-hmm. in his movies. And then we have the other side of the corn, which is where I'm at. 
who thinks that he's just a genius and a master of restraint. Like he understands restraint mm-hmm. more than a lot of people. And a lot of people do not connect to that because they want more. And the thing about antlers is this is his most like unleashed he's ever been. I think like, this is the most, like you see this Wendigo front and center multiple times. Yeah, and But it's, it's a build to that. And you see it up close and personal and it's ripping people apart it is a fucking crazy monster movie that is so mean and so dark and I can understand why people wouldn't like that, but I think that there's so many lazy fucking arguments about this movie that just people like for for one thing, I think uh, like maybe I think mood makes up 70 percent of Cooper's films. And I don't see that as a negative because uh, dear God, can this man generate a mood? It says a lot. This movie says so much about generational trauma drug abuse and the systems that enable both of these things to continue and repeat themselves. And I think that that's something that people are missing entirely. I'm not trying to act like I'm smarter than everyone who has seen antlers and didn't like but, it, but you are, but, but I have that's her- correct. seen, I, but that is what I am doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which is correct. Yeah, but I'm correct. <laughs> um, but no, it is like that. Those are, those are themes that to me, I was just like, how, how did you not see that? Like, it's kind of very obvious. Like they, they, talk about the school system they talk about the family the like family housing and how these there this movie set in a small mining town which was filmed in uh hope bc which is just a mere less than an hour away from me i drive through it all the time and oh my god is that like my dream location to film a fucking movie in so seeing scott cooper one of my favorite directors be able to he's like this prestigious director who's won academy awards for crazy heart make this gnarly mean ass horror movie in hope bc oh my god i just fucking loved it so much jesse plemons jesse who is always amazing and he's so good fat damon shout out jesse where (laughs) yeah there you go i know you were waiting for it carrie russell who's someone who i don't normally love i thought she was fucking incredible in this movie the little kid stole the show yes like the little boy who you know, this is based off of a short story by Nick on Nick Antosca, who had also he's one of the co-creators of Channel Zero. Um, he's done a lot of really awesome horror work over the years. But I don't know. I just think like anything, the allegory isn't perfect because it's all this is also trying to serve as a horror film. And it's it's as vicious as it is depressing. And I absolutely love this style of storytelling. I'm so happy that it made it so high on your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, this is one of those ones where it's like, it could have been my number one. Yeah, like I said, he he literally just capped the bottle on Wendigo stories. It's like, we've been waiting so long for a really gnarly Wendigo film. This is it. There are moments that felt like Alien. And then there are yeah, moments where I was just 100%. like, oh my God, that was one of the most gnarly fucking trend. Uh, transformation scenes I've seen since American Werewolf in London and I'm not being hyperbolic there there's a scene in this where I was like it was painful to watch and yeah you don't get this all the time it's gnarly like this movie is fucking dark (laughs) no I loved it so very very happy that it made it on uh, both of our lists hopefully Kyle um, will pick up a book yeah I don't really know I guess I'll Amazon sort of thing i mean if you want to go to the amazon are you a scott cooper fan though like like have you seen crazy uh, yeah i mean i don't <clears throat> honestly he's one of those directors where like if you were to say like who's your favorite director he wouldn't like shoot to mind like come to mind right away yeah. but when i look at his filmography like yeah i mean i generally like most of his work crazy art's great and 
I think when I saw Out of the Furnace, I love. I actually haven't seen Out of the Furnace, but I just see, looking at the variety of his work, though, it's interesting to like, in a way, I'm like, wow, geez, he's tackling like this style of horror. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if you look at his filmography, he's kind of done a little bit of everything. So, like, why not? Like, yeah. Um, so that gets me excited to check it out for sure. It's it's definitely one that um has been on my list for a while. Who do you think? So actually, I'm not even going to jump to this because I'm sure you could name off five right now. But Jesse Plemons, one of the greatest living actors. Would you agree? <laughs> I probably would agree. I'm sorry. I just saying his name really elicits a certain uh... Jesse Plumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> he is one. Like he he is the new Philip Seymour Hoffman. Though. Okay, hold on. Get, I'm, I'm sorry. Just let me reset. Let me... for me because I I recently had that name stuck in my head Plumpkins? and I was just like saying it to myself. Jesse just let me reset. Just let me reset. Let's shout out Brent. Hibbert. I'm just going to reset. Okay. Yes, I agree. I think Jesse Plummett is absolutely uh, commanding the, the screen right now. I mean, he's kind of in everything, but there's a reason for that. Uh, I haven't seen power of the dog yet, but I mean, oh, it's so bad. Apparently he gives a great performance in that he's been in just yeah. standout roles. I'm thinking of anything is your favorite film of last exactly. year. Exactly. Horror film. He was yeah. fantastic in that. He Friday night lights. Friday, of course. Friday night lights. Uh, and then yeah, the Irishman, he's been in ton- tons of great stuff. Oh yeah. And black mass and just yeah. killing it over the past five years, especially I suppose. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, seeing this one for sure. The reason I brought it up is because like he had said on, uh, he was on Mark Maron's podcast recently and they were talking about antlers and he had said that he's like, Scott Cooper is the one director where it's like, he doesn't even need to read a script from him. He will do anything he wants him to do because he believes he's such an important auteur. Wow. And I entirely agree with him, but I think there are some people who just think they're a little too smart for not liking Scott Cooper movies. I find that interesting because like, because like, to be honest, like I feel like since his work is so varied that there's not really like, I don't think of one thing when I think of Scott Cooper's work and that's not a bad thing to me, Mm -hmm. but what I mean is like, I think of poverty. I, I mean, you kind of have that in my head now because you've mentioned it three times now, but beyond that, like when you think Wes Anderson, it's an obvious pick. I know exactly what people are saying when they say that or yeah. Spielberg or some other things. But yeah, I don't really understand the the hate that you're describing because to me... As someone who has seen all of Scott Cooper's films, I, I can understand because he does have a very like similar style spread out throughout. But that's just what he knows. That's what he's really good at writing. And it's what he's really good at directing. Mm. And uh, I'm just, I'm happy that this thing wasn't a train wreck because, you know, there's lots of times where prestigious directors take a, take a whack at horror and horror might not be as easy as everyone fucking thinks it is. It might not be so easy to write off as people think it is. Well, and like Boozy said, like the release was kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. That is always a concern. I, I know it's a weird time to release a film, obviously, but but even then and and like the only reason i knew that is i knew like about the release thing before i even knew what the plot right. of it was so for something to be like that like that has to be more than just me because i'm usually pretty fringe on knowing that sort of thing so like it did oh, have that weird totally. kind of stink going into it <laughs> so it was like oh this thing's finally coming out so that's what like mitch is talking about you have a lot of these like fringe people who will go watch stuff like that who wouldn't usually yeah just because like they'll watch the the main like the conjuring stuff but they won't watch a lot of the other stuff so then they you know you'll see that come out and that's totally fine because that's more people are going to be watching it but that's an audience that it wasn't directed towards who probably doesn't have the same kind of patience for it boozy's number two is antlers um my number two is titan titan uh kyle what is your number two 
my number two, of course, was Candyman. So let's move on to right. our number ones. Whoa. I'll go first. Let's do it. My number one film, horror film and film in general from 2021 is Julia Ducarno's Titan. Also, Boozy, this is like zero disrespect because it's, if anything, it's just me loving you. Okay. Not a boozy movie. Okay. Absolutely. I still want you to no. see it. Oh, I mean, I... it's my favorite movie of the year. I think I would, I could. Well, I mean, the fact that it came out of nowhere and both so, of you have it on the list. I just, I know Boozy so well, but there is no fucking way that, and I totally understand why it ticks off all of the shit that Boozy doesn't like in a movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, it doesn't. Oh, there's time travel, isn't <laughs> there? It, it doesn't scream Boozy, but I mean, I would say I, I would recommend. I'm interested if it's that high on your guys' list. I mean. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that I think that's, that's reason enough, I suppose. That speaks for itself. Yeah. Um. So it's it kind of a hard one to talk about because I think if you know anything about this film, most folks will probably tell you, go in blind, try to know uh, probably as little about this film as much as you can. So I, I won't really go over much plot about it because I think that does a disservice to the film. Um, but I'll, I'll read the, the letterbox uh, description just to give a brief idea. Yeah. Uh, following a series of unexplained crimes, a former firefighter is reunited with his son who has been missing for 10 years. So that just scratches the surface of what this film essentially covers. That's the description. I see. I've never read that. It's like, what the fuck? But it's not, it's not wrong. But like what Mitch is reacting to is there's just, there's just a lot more happening in this film and a lot more bat shit crazy is that stuff kind of just like a microcosm of what's kind of, going well, on it's definitely a large aspect of it but there's just uh, there's other you know major things happening as well just when you think this film is the most insane thing you've seen it becomes crazy the second most insane thing you've seen yeah. like there's there's a lot happening here um this is the same director of raw which made my top 10 of the deck of last decade list i love that film uh and to be honest as much as I do enjoy that film, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, there was a few things holding it back from being like a five out of five, but I could obviously see like the promise of this director. This uh, that is was so a, much better. I think that was her second feature. Yeah. And this is her follow-up to that film. This won the Palme d'Or at Cannes this year. Um, and which, which is great. Um, so well-deserved, but fucking insane. Which uh, also uh, Spike Lee famously uh, famously outed because they were like announcing the awards for the Palme d'Or. And uh, we kind of did the way we're doing our show today almost. Uh, normally you would announce like the, you know, the sort of bottom tier, not bottom tier, but um, the lesser important awards i guess not the heavy hitter awards and then and then you'd give the pomodoro at the end instead spike lee just straight up said okay uh pomodoro goes to teton at the beginning of the conference and so everybody had to sit through the rest of it with no anticipation hilarious moment what spike lee uh, okay wait that happened like he told everyone that titan won yeah <laughs> yeah oh he, my God, he read it incorrectly so <laughs> it's a hilarious clip on youtube it's so funny <laughs> anyways very besides the point but that just gives you an idea that this film has a lot of critical like uh, buzz, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's for everyone. This is my film of the year, so I definitely give it the cosign. But it's it's for sure one of those things where 15 minutes and you might just turn it off because it's just not for you. And totally fair. For me, this is the most visceral, heavy hitting thing I've seen all year. There is so many things covered in this from um, identity to compassion to connection between 
humans in general there's just there's a lot of stuff covered here and there's some of the most gruesome shit i've seen there's a particular scene including a stool that will never leave my brain and it's it's just crazy there's a lot of stool scenes there's just one in particular that i can think of but uh it's a it's a wild ride there's i don't want to like i said i don't want to give too much more of the plot away because it it, it's so specific that if i said more I, i think i would be doing a disservice so I'll let Mitch kind of give his thoughts on it. But for me, this is just a wonderful, wonderful film. I was I was actually really looking forward to seeing this. It was probably our most anticipated film of the year. And it lived up to that. And yeah. probably then some, honestly. So, yeah. That's a home run for Kyle. Big time. Loved it. Yeah. So this is, it's a French extreme film. Uh, this is without a doubt a French extreme film. The best one I've seen, if I'm being frank uh okay i would need to give it a little bit more thought but man i think that it punches at the same same league as the best of them i think that this movie also it's a body horror yes, film yeah that punches in the same league as cronenberg at his finest wow like i think that this is a movie that cronenberg would be proud of sure, shit for to sure. see because it's so clearly inspired by a lot of his work yeah like she took home the palm door for this thing and it's understandable why like this film is provocative it's emotionally complex, it's cringe-inducingly violent, and it has viscera to spare. It is a delightful addition to the horror subgenre, the body horror subgenre. Sure. <laughs> and uh, having watched it twice now, I am certain that this is going to be a film and discussion for decades to come when talking about extremity and psychosexuality in horror films. And in film in general. I don't, I don't know if I've seen another film that's ever uh tackle the issues that this film does in in this way and with not only with respect but with something to say and something to to show yeah it's it's like so make no mistake at me giggling off to the side about mm-hmm. this movie is i'm laughing because it's so fucking crazy that and also i don't want to overhype it for people because i've i've seen more extreme movies i wouldn't no, say i wouldn't say that either the most extreme no. film but it's just that when the extreme when the extremity hits it hits so fucking hard and it actually serves a purpose. And it's, it's like, you know, you put it, who's the director who does movies like rubber. Oh, fuck. Um, what's his name? Uh, but yeah. you know what I mean though, where it's like, it's, this has got influence from like films like rubber to films like um, Quentin Dupuis, know, uh, dead, dead ringers. Um, they just in it's stra- so many strange ways. And the reason I decided to put it so high up my list is because though we have French extreme movies, I don't think that we have one this perfect. Like it's, it kind of nails every single thing that it's going for. And I think it might be like, actually, you know what, Kyle, you just said it might be the best of its class. I, I think so. Cause I think you make a good point, Mitch. Cause like we've covered like on the show, even like martyrs inside things like that, where films we all we all enjoy and they're insane and we but we gain something from them but at the same time we would all probably make note of like one or two things that like are outliers and for them kind of being like excellent and there's none of that here yeah it's there's no fat to trim here like it it was it was that movie like when i first saw it i was like obviously it left a huge impression on me and i was like okay yeah that was fucking crazy i don't know if i'll ever watch that again and something about it was just telling me to re give it was this it was this and um the night house that i revisited before coming to this top 10 and it made a world of difference for me to see it a second time because it's so much to take in i also like i i'm i'm always skeptical of making it sound like something is more complex than it is because that's not the case here 
that just might be my personal viewing experience. But if you look at the movies that I love, you know, historically it, listening to the terror table, Titan is not one of those movies where like, I, I, I have a strong appreciation for this stuff, but the thing that I love most about it is I feel like it's, it did something different. It did something really different and it did it exceedingly well. I thought that raw was fine. I thought it was a little overhyped. Like it didn't, it, I know Boozy and I, like it just didn't work yeah, overly did well. Click with me at all. I remember yeah. Like one. I was like, it, it's a good movie. I see what they're doing. It's very well made, but Titan is like, it's next level. So it's next much level. better. Oh, it, it is like masterful. It has the, the lead actress in raw in this film as well, actually. Yeah. Is that wait, it's the it's, kind of love interest that I want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, but not the main character. No, 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 no. So I was like, no. <laughs> no. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Justine. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a- Agatha Roussel who plays like Alexia, the main character talk about a transformation and a difficult ass role to step into. And she absolutely annihilated this thing. I thought she was so good. And same with like the, the firefighter Vincent, um, like the, the dad figure. I'm just going to keep gushing about it if we don't move on. But I co-signed Kyle. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's my number two. Yeah. It's your number it's one. A great film. It's so fucking good. And uh, yeah, shout out, t- shout out Titan, Titan, Titan. Shout out Titan. Whatever it is. I love it. Uh, oh, all right. Are we going on to number one? Yep. Oh, that was your number one. That was my number one. Mitch Boozy, who's going number one? I guess I will go next. All right. So my number one is Caveat, directed by Clayton Whitmer. No, sorry, not Clayton Whitmer, Damien McCarthy. (laughs) Shout out Clayton Whitmer, though. I actually, I just had that because that's my honorable mentions here. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. so shout out to Damien McCarthy of Caveat um kyle you have not seen this yet i haven't but i was i was literally just reading about this film the other day so this one this one missed me but i'm happy to hear this was this was so special for you yeah and i i feel like i i forced kai or mitch to watch this without forcing him to watch it because i just kept gushing about it you just told me that you're like without it and this was like six months ago you told me without a doubt it's my favorite movie this year and i'm like boozy don't do that don't <laughs> yeah. like, don't don't commit to that right now it can be a great movie you don't need to say it's the best of the year but then i watched it and i was like yeah this is a fucking wicked movie yeah i, I think it just deals with a lot of concepts and makes you have to stay with them i think that's the biggest thing and it, it is it's uh it's just about being stuck in this house and uh the kind of the presence of of what's going on in this house and kind of what unravels you have a main character with memory loss issues and it does a great job of using using a lot of camera tricks to stay with your main character so you're only getting fed information as your main character gets it and with so many different things going on in this film it makes it so enjoyable as it builds up to turn into kind of this like haunted house film and uh, one part of this film involves the fact that your main character cannot leave the house. And the way that they create that is, is um, it's very interesting. If someone would have explained it before I saw it, I'd be like, that's a really weird way to get someone to stay in a house. But it works. And, and watching it, it makes so many scenes more uncomfortable because you're forced to stick with a character who's having such a hard time within this place. So um, 
Yeah, that's my number one. Oh. I think this is a fantastic film. Um, it's an it's an Irish horror film. I don't know if I'd mentioned that before. And yeah, just a, an incredible performance all around. It, it has probably one of the scariest scenes I've seen in a horror film. And I, I don't mean this uh, lightly when I say it is like one of the scariest things I've seen. And it's a uh, it's directly seeing so much inspiration from like alien involved in this. So this is my favorite thing about what we do at the terror table is being able to highlight movies that not everybody has heard of or not everybody's talking about. Uh, so I absolutely love that you put a film like caveat at your, your number one. I co-sign on that. Everything that boozy said, I thought this movie was super fucking wicked. Yeah. And that's available on shutter. They had that right on the front there. Go check it out. Yeah. It's one of those movies that the first 20 minutes, I was like, I don't know if I can buy into this. Like, uh, there's a plot device that I'm like, I just don't know if I can believe this. And, you know, wedgie myself for that. It's a movie. Shut up, Mitch. But it pays off and it does it in a really intelligent way. So uh, huge shout out to Caveat. That movie was wicked. All right, boys. My number one. And we're closing this thing I already out. know what it is. I Do you know what it is? I know. Yeah. Of course I know. Is it that obvious? It's definitely obvious. Oh, of course. Is it that obvious that the best fucking movie of the year was James Wan's Malignant? Wow. Right. Well, yeah, I knew wow. going in here. Yeah, it was just... My number in six, the by the way. Boozy, my number six. In the words of Boozy, Maligma Nuts. <laughs> right. This is my number no fucking way. Yeah, this one didn't really catch on in the Boozy household, but that's okay. No, but so Kyle, this was on your list as well. What number was it at? Number six. This is number six on my number list. Number six. Okay. So my number one uh, is Malignant. James Wan made a horror movie for true cult horror movie fans and proved that if you are popular and success, if you're a popular and successful director in the mainstream, dumbasses will not accept you. I'm not saying that everyone who doesn't like Malignant is a dumbass. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not I'm feeling that, shade even for actually don't believe that I don't because the thing is there's so many things about this where I'm like this is so clearly not a boozy movie because this movie is so much to handle yeah there's a lot there's a lot in this one <sighs> this movie is fucking absolutely mind-boggling insane it is the director of Aquaman going on to make any movie that he wants to make and he makes an homage to basket case huge Huge boom. This is fucking nuts. He knew exactly what he was doing. And I know that there's a lot of James Wan trappings, like uh, some questionable CGI and just stylistic choices that I can understand why someone wouldn't like. But it's also fire. It's so fire. Everything about this movie is fire. This is the most fun I've had watching a movie this year. And that's why it's my number one is simply that it was something it encapsulated so much of what i love about the genre and what i've grown to love about it over the decades that i've been a fan of like you know i stem back to the the 80s the, like 80s camp trash that's like kind of my bread and butter that's where i got started with horror and then i just kind of progressed along there this movie blends in so many of all of the things that so many things that i loved about this genre and put it on the big screen for mainstream audiences and had James Wan's name on it. Uh, a director has now become well-respected among mainstream audiences. Like, you know, this is a guy who made The Conjuring 1 and 2, The Insidious Insidious 1 and 2, uh, Saw. I mean, he restructured horror, basically. I mean, he pretty much... Yeah, yeah he did. He, And it, he's one of those guys where I, I feel like 
people easily write him off because of how successful he is and because they're like not head over heels over saw michael bay could never you know michael bay mid but i feel like james wan's kind of got the i know this is gonna drive some people crazy and just know that take this with a heavy grain of salt but kind of compare him to steven spielberg in a way where it's like he has made these like crazy really successful wild movies and then he goes off and does something different i i 100 get where he's coming from he has his hands in so many different jars that no one takes him seriously as one thing and when you think about james wan the horror director you think of insidious or saw everyone thinks of something different with james wan and they're all huge they are all huge except for dead silence which there's even some dead silence in this movie there is Every little fucking brand and little dark, greasy corner of horror is sludged Uh into Malignant. And it knows exactly what it's doing. And it knows exactly what it's trying to be. And I think it does it all so incredibly well. Knowing the the fact that I can say that I saw a movie this year that was directed by the guy who made Furious 7 that has a tumor talking Huge through move. a boombox. That's that's icon. That's icon shit right there. Ballsy it's, move. Honestly, for me, for me, it was the Pixies needle drop. That's when I knew. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, I love that too. <laughs> and see, I love that. I don't. I don't normally like. I I'm one of those guys who doesn't necessarily hate needle drops because sometimes they're really fun and effective. I'm actually going to be recording an episode on the new Resident Sick. Evil Oof. tomorrow. And that's a movie that was directed by Johannes Roberts, who did like 47 meters down, Strangers, Pray at Night. And it's like, that dude relies on needle drops. And boy, are there needle drops in that Resident Evil movie. Fear Street, there's needle drops like crazy. And this film is just one single example of like... But it's a remix. Well, exactly. A movie that's already been claimed by Fight Club. It's like, well, that's the point. It's like every single, every little thing in here has so many layers to it. You know, it's, it's like... And I mean, maybe they all work uh, in different ways and maybe to varying effects, I suppose. But it's like every little piece has has some sort of obscure meaning, you know, and, and it's it's not that like it's um, I don't know, like a, some like sort of like intellectual concept. I'm more saying like there's just like to me, this was like a scrapbook. Like there's little pieces behind every single photo. There's every yeah. little like he really is. And you can tell like the heart and attention to detail is clearly there. Like it, he's a true fan, though, man, that, that- totally yeah for sure he's totally like he's he's just a cinema fan and you can like for for me i see a lot of raimi in him and sam raimi is like one of my all-time favorite directors and uh but the thing is i see so many other influences in him as well and i'm not gonna lie like the when i was watching malignant i had like that for the first time because i've watched like four times now i have like a little bit of whiplash because i'm like wait a minute is this movie taking itself too seriously or is it completely fucking stupid no, it's both. <laughs> it's like very rarely does that work. There's a box quote right there. It's both. Oh man. Like the fact the fact that malignant, a movie called Malignant about a tumor You're trying to get it Kyle had here. He's better be action than a movie in the Matrix series. But this year is insane. At the same time, they're actually tackling very similar things. <laughs> They are. They totally are. I, I, I will give you that. <laughs> Which is but, awesome. But oh my God, I love this movie so much. I, I absolutely love it. It's it's without a doubt my favorite horror movie of the year just because I had so much fun with it. It was such a breath of fresh air because it was like, I get to watch like one of my idols make a bonkers, 
fucking crazy movie after making a Fast and the Furious movie and an Aquaman movie. He's really done it all. It's this is the true Mr. World. You really, yeah. Jack of all trades. I love Malignant. That is my number one favorite horror film of the year. I three very different number ones from the table. Yes. Kyle, uh, or we're all wrapped up. That's it, baby. We're done. We got it. That's a wrap, folks. Oh, wrap it just up. like uh, Scott Cooper wrapped the Wendigo subgenre. We just wrapped the top twenty, top ten. It is, it is wild that he did that in one fell swoop. I'm. I want to make sure I return uh, snowboard snowboarding kids to to family video before I wrap it because I I don't want to return it because I want to wrap it first so that I don't <laughs> have to buy it. I want to make sure I rent a game and wrap it. Snowboarding kids. I've never heard of that game. What? Oh, it's so good really good game but i've been playing 1080p on n64 recently huge game for n64 shout out 1080 snowboarding it's kind um, of depressing isn't it yeah actually i'm the kind of guy that rents my own 64 wraps it then returns it so yeah oh my god you should have kept it my uncle he wrapped my dad actually works at nintendo and he wrapped every game <laughs> these are my favorite conversations at the park lying to us. with kids who are like my uncle actually created nintendo <laughs> <laughs> My dad owns and runs Netflix. <laughs> he wrapped every movie. Yo, have y'all heard of Dreamcast? <laughs> All right. Um, just to keep this going, we got probably another 20 minutes of just things where we'll talk about honorable mentions and we'll talk about uh, films that we're looking forward to in 2022. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I just want to lead off saying uh, that originally I had asked if we could consider TV shows this year because I had three that I wanted to highlight, uh, but I decided that I wanted to focus on some I wanted to make some room for some independent movies that maybe not everyone has heard about, like The Vigil, um, you know, in a weird way, St. Maud is one of those ones, Coming Home in the Dark, Slumber Party Massacre. These are movies that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. So uh, I wanted to make some room for that. But my favorite horror, my favorite piece of horror cinema this year was Midnight Mass. Uh, Mike Flanagan has proven time and time again that he may be the best currently doing it. Uh, in a sense that he can generate scares while weaving a compelling story in a style and cadence that is only comparable to Stephen King, who is possibly the greatest storyteller of our generation right now. Um, I think Midnight Mass is one of his best, one of the best things he's ever done. It's was an extra emotional experience for me because there are a lot of correlations between my short film, my first short film, The Druid's Hand and Midnight Mass. Uh, we had filmed, finished wrapping on Druid's Hand before Midnight Mass had come out. And it was like, oh my God, there are so many similarities here. And the only reason I mentioned that is because it's like, that's kind of magical that this guy is like one of my biggest influences and I love his work so much. And though I do not think that what I created or what we created is absolutely nearly as good as Midnight Mass, it's kind of cool that, you know, inadvertently created something sort of similar or something that tackles the same subject matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I love his heart. I love his heart. It was amazing. It was like one of the best experiences of my life, seeing him introduce Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and then Dr. Sleep and to talk before and after both of those. It was an incredible night. Getting to meet him was surreal. Uh, Midnight Mass, without a doubt, is my favorite thing that I experienced this year. Number two, I want to give a special shout out to a show that I was praising and then turned on, which is Chucky. Chucky, the TV series. I finished it. 
the real life Andy Barkley from the originals is in this Chucky TV series. Right. And uh, I think it continues and it builds on the entire original lineup of films that has now spanned decades. There has now been decades of Chucky and it's all a part of the same story, free of retcons. There is no retcons. They acknowledge every single step of the way with this character. And that's something that you do not see all the time. They incorporated a plot point that shifted my perception of everything that was kind of making me turn on it, which I was mentioning before, uh, that included Fiona Dorif, daughter of Brad Dorif, who famously voices Chucky. Um, but man, did they completely fix that for me in an episode. And uh, it was like the next episode, I was like, oh boy, completely back on board now. I know I'm not the demographic to be commenting on how effectively queer something is, but this show is so unapologetically queer in all of the best ways. And it's tough to not think that Don Mancini's moving mountains here. I think that he's really doing something special with this series. Uh, there's multiple main characters in the show that are queer and not a single one of them feels like it's even close to tacked on and like some other mainstream attempts have. But there are a ton of shows where the heart is in the right place, but they kind of have been blurred in the depictions of queer relationships but in an odd way chucky feels seamless and organically a part of the chucky universe like it's so nice seeing even jennifer tilly being back as tiffany this is a woman who is born for this role and i think it's kind of amazing that she was able to build on that character and extend tiffany's legacy um also marty mcfly's mom she still got it still Sick. still bang <laughs> huge uh, she's in this chucky series and there's not one but there's two devin sawas i love devin sawa i was a huge fan huge fan of the chucky tv series the whole i'm glad you came around on it holy shit i'm so happy that this this show was a hit because they're going to be doing a season two it's a blast last thing i'll mention for tv what we do in the shadows continues to fucking slay i still gotta catch up on that yeah me too yeah, I, I will say that I think that season three wasn't as strong as season two, but there's still some amazing moments. I think that the show really became Colin Robinson's show, which I will not complain about because I fucking love that character. And there are so many hilarious moments. And oddly, I've never really been my, my least favorite character in the show is the main character, which is Nandor. And season three, Nandor really, really proves himself and has some pretty amazing moments and i'm just still a huge fan i absolutely loved what we do in the shadows um so yeah do you guys have anything you want to mention in terms of tv i know kyle you already mentioned squid game but boozy would you like to mention anything yeah i actually have one um and this one's from shutter this really hooked my attention and actually me and my girlfriend and we've been destroying it uh the boulet brothers drag show is fantastic it just finished airing i think the season finale was like five or six days ago if if you guys are into drag and even if you're just into like uh creature design and stuff because the the whole point of it is they kind of, they take that concept of a basic like runway drag but they add that you have to base it around a character create a horror character and like the bloodier the better it's it's oh, this looks really cool. fun and yeah it is it's such a, i've heard so many such a fun show about the show yeah so yeah. this is the fourth season and it, it's great uh, like a lot of the people doing this fantastic prosthetics so yeah I heard because I know it was originally just like a free YouTube show. Yeah. And then that's how they got picked up. So I'm pretty sure the first season is still kind of like YouTube aesthetics. 
and then they just kept their their production value kept boosting and the show kept getting better uh but i've heard nothing but great things about the boule brothers yeah, and the quality of of like yeah because we're actually going back now and watching the older seasons because of it but yeah the quality's just gone up and and it's Sweet. it's so fun to watch that's awesome hell yeah so shout out boule yeah. brothers um, and uh, I would just like to mention in terms of shout out for film, uh, I kind of gave it away because I said the wrong name before, but uh, shout out to Clayton Whitmer with The Arbors. Fantastic film Tubi. to check it out on Tubi. Yeah. Um, or anywhere else it is available. That's, that's in my top. That's in my honorable mentions as well. I just, yeah, Clayton Whitmer, slow burn, moody, atmospheric creature joint. Like that movie was yeah. really cool. And I really enjoyed talking to him. Very nice guy. And uh, it's very cool how they made that whole movie happen so beautiful uh for my wow. honorable mentions i don't have another series other than squid game to speak about but i have a couple for film one of which was uh one that i think i talked about earlier this year but i didn't get a chance to see when it came out actually came out last year and that is black bear uh one that also kind of i don't know maybe a lot of folks ended up seeing this year i'm not too sure uh kind of a festival film but love black bear lawrence michael levin uh creating a really really kind of mind-bending film with audrey plaza giving the best performance of her career uh if you haven't seen this one yet highly recommend checking this one out um it's one that i've been meaning to revisit actually because i just i keep thinking about it seeing other stuff especially things that are like very self-referential which if you've seen this film it's you understand what i'm talking about uh highly recommend this one and the other kind of oddball one that i'll mention was one that i was actually recommended from a friend of the show jay luke uh it's <laughs> it's uh it's the demon slayer anime film oh man i've been wanting to get into this i've heard it from multiple people shout out alexis Olenek, also previous guest of the show big fan of demon slayer this was my entry into it uh i haven't seen the series i i've been meaning to but uh me and my girlfriend watched the film and we loved it it was just like insanity i highly recommend it there's a uh, movie it, yeah it's the highest grossing film in japan history it just be, beat out uh spirited oh, away <laughs> is, is it like anime or is it live action no it's it's anime it's um i'm gonna butcher this title so you could start there with the the film and then watch the series because i i know i've heard the series is awesome um I can't verify. I'll put it this way. I haven't seen the series. I watched a standalone film and I totally knew what was going on. I got it. Um, it To me, it was a good jumping in point and it's made me really want to go and check out the show. And you've seen Malignant and you understood it. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's a film. It, it's it's a it's a just insane. I mean, it's capital A anime, basically. It's just anime to the extreme. And uh, it all takes place on a train, train to Busan-esque type shit. It's, um, or Snowpiercer, more actually probably a good example. But anyway, really, really recommend this one. It's, yeah, Demon Slayer, the movie, the Mugen Train. Uh, It's a blast, just like nonstop insanity. Campy at times, but really, really cool creature, character design. Yeah, really, really fun one. Highly recommend this. That's gangster. I'm going to put that at the top of my list is can we bring that back saying that's gangster remember that um yeah i think we can 50 you know we should just start bringing back everything and just whatever sticks sticks you know yeah risky but i like it yeah like that's that's (laughs) guys this is that's fat that's That's fat. fat oh man that farm baby fat was good yeah i feel like that was a good counter bullying because you're like it's pretty hot and talented like what else we got is is that it or do we have more to talk 
Shout out Demon Slayer. Okay. I have I have a couple honorable mentions. Boozy, do you have uh, is that it for honorable mentions for you? I will just say the one other one is my favorite movie of the year was uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yes, fuck yeah, Incredible. buddy. That was my number two on my uh, normal like just non horror list. Number or number one being Pig. Uh, so if people haven't seen Kyle, have you seen Pig yet? I actually haven't seen Pig yet. I, I need to watch that. Pig is like the only movie this year that changed me. Huge shout out, Pig. It's one of those. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, my honorable mentions, I have Censor, uh, which we had already talked about. It was on Kyle's list, The Arbors. And um, one that I had seen the year prior, uh, 2020, 2020 um, but it just got a wide release in 2021, was Honeydew. Um, that's one that we mm. watched in the, the cinemas. The festival. Yeah, Devara Milburn's Honeydew. Uh, very, very twisted, creepy little movie. I believe it's on Shutter now. And it's starring Sawyer Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's son, and uh, Devaro Milburn. He just made a very weird, gross, gnarly horror movie. Uh, I would compare it to Charlie Kaufman making the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's a strange movie. Mm-hmm. It is very strange. Yeah. The one that just, just missed my list today, and it was tough leaving it off because uh, I really, really liked it. And it's the last one I'm going to talk about. A Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed A Quiet Place Part Two. I liked it more than the first one. I know it took some heat for, like, I know I took some heat for picking apart some plot holes in the first one, which I now fully admit that I was being a dingus about. Um, but this one has way more plot holes, but I just didn't care because it was so exhilarating. Uh, there's more monsters, there's more world building, and more insane direction from John Krasinski. The direction in this movie is so good that I can't help but wonder how many people really directed this thing. And I don't mean that as a dig, but it's like, this is a massive budget film with hundreds of people working on this. Did Jim Halpert really execute the fuck out of some of these nutso sequences? Like, Shout out Jim. there are moments in A Quiet Place too where I was like, that is like mind-boggling, mind-bogglingly amazing direction. And it's it's awesome boozy have you watched it yet no i haven't okay because i think i think you'll feel the same way that because i know you and i were both kind of lukewarm on the first one holy Mm -hmm. fuck man like i i really like the second one it is it's crazy um so yeah those are my honorable mentions before we close up shop tonight before we end this episode looking forward towards 2022 what are you guys most looking forward to in horror um if you guys haven't had a chance to really take a look i can lead us off but just let me know i got got two i got two here that i'm really looking forward to i also have two most notably number one most excited to see what comes of this is nope by jordan peele that's uh to me that's something that i just is going to be special i mean He's made two banger films. Uh, Us has actually really grown on me over time. Love it. Not that I, not that I hated it, but it, I've learned to appreciate it in ways that I didn't previously. And shout out Stephen Yen. Stephen Yen starring in Nope. He is along with the Kiki Palmer. Shout mm-hmm. out Kiki Palmer of uh, Jump In fame. Uh, and uh, but also he's got like um, the same uh, cinematographer for uh, Let the Right One In on this and the person doing the score that did uh, Get Out and Us as well. So, Oh my God, and the score for Us was like my favorite. Yeah, so I think this is going to be sick. I actually don't know really much about this film beyond who's attached to it. You're not supposed to. But you're not supposed to. enjoy it, baby. That's exciting for me. 
the other one, which tangentially horror, but the Northman. Oh, really exciting to see kind of what that what that uh becomes and what that is. What that I mean, it's Robert Eggers. He's 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 the goat. That's my number one <laughs> most anticipated uh, 2022. I I guess just uh quickly, I'll just say I am actually kind of curious to see what Raimi does with uh with his Marvel film. I mean, it might not be horror. I have no idea, but uh, also on my list. I've oddly kind of been getting into Marvel lately. And so I'm, I'm excited. No see. way home was fire. Shang-Chi was fire. I haven't, I haven't seen no way home yet. I'm, Are I'm, you serious? I know. Holy I know. shit, dude. It's so good. It's so I watch yeah. it twice, but uh, I even like Eternals. I'm a psychopath. So shout out Chris Hurtado, former guest of the show said that like the amount yes. that Daniel and I love Shang-Chi He's like, everything that you guys love about Shang-Chi is even better in Eternals. See, I think they're almost, I like Shang-Chi a little bit more, but I loved Eternals. I thought it was yeah. awesome. I don't know. Anyway, that, that, that's, those are my picks. Cool. Or, or sorry, what I'm looking forward to. Busy? Pumpkin? So I just kind of quickly checked what you guys were talking and everything I'm excited for is things that I already am familiar with in some way. So maybe I'm not looking hard enough or that's just kind of what this year has presented so far, but I'm really looking forward to Salem's lot. Um, I wait a minute. What? Yeah. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. They just announced it a little while ago. Is it a movie or a TV show? A movie. Um, What? Salem's lot is. Yes. (laughs) What the fuck? I didn't know about this. Yeah. Is it by the guy who made Venom? Um, I actually can't remember who's uh, on to direct it, but it's one of my favorite Stephen King. I actually read the full book. Uh, The the TV series itself is, it's whatever, but there's some genuinely good stuff. I just think the story itself is going to be, it's an incredible story. And I'm excited to see that, uh, you know, in present date and updated for today's audience. The other one I'm going to... Directed by Gary Doberman of uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Yay. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we're all looking forward to Scream. That goes without saying. That's right around the corner. Next Uh, weekend, baby. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How do you feel? Did you watch the trailer? So ready for it. I'm like, I'm, I've learned to be cautiously optimistic with Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw, but like, fuck, I hope this is great. I, I the closer it can be to 2003 is the better. That's really yep. all I want. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is obviously is uh, Halloween, the last installment of Halloween. Halloween ends. I'm yeah. excited to see that wrap it up because we've been waiting so long. It killed me that they had to put off kills for an entire year. Like that, that hurt mm-hmm. that we had to, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to survive. What if the pandemic gets me? Like, that's just, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Fair I don't know. I think, uh, like you said, Boozy, it's a lot of familiar properties that mm-hmm. we're going to get to see a return from, uh, which I don't hate, you know, that's a part of, no, it's, I'm it's a Nightmare on so Elm Street fan, man. <laughs> like I'm a Friday the 13th fan. So I'm fine with sequels. I just want something kind of interesting. And you know what? Not every time. It, it doesn't happen every time. We don't always get Candyman by Nina Costa. I, I think we're doing better in this in this generation's film landscape in terms of paying respects yeah, to original properties so versus like how wild it was in the two, like the mid 2000s. I think the people with money are starting to see that people who love horror mm-hmm. like are the ones that are going to show up. So I think that that's just going to hopefully yeah. keep getting better, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, 
this new one i the old man leatherface i'm very curious i will be there day one i know it's going to go straight to netflix um which is pretty wild i would have liked to see this in the theater it is such a wild concept interesting yeah I, i'd like to see in the theater but at the same time i also saw leatherface at home and it was awful so <laughs> i uh I, I that would suck to go to the theater for that evil dead rise the new evil dead film right i totally forgot yeah there's a new evil dead film coming out dr strange and the multiverse of madness like kyle said i'm cautiously optimistic about the all these horror comparisons i think i i could give a fuck if it's horror just knowing that sam raimi's directing a movie again is enough for me to get excited halloween ends like <laughs> never gonna learn never gonna learn i'm always gonna be excited for these things um terrifier 2 i'm very curious to see what's gonna happen with terrifier 2 because i know boozy you weren't what can they get out of that story still that's i just i think art the clown is nuts man and like i know i've only seen the original terrifier once but uh it left an impression on me just for being nuts that's that's fair and it it did on a lot of people obviously it has a huge following yeah yeah and that's why i'm kind of just excited about the idea of a new slasher icon uh the requiem which is the new alicia silverstone shark film produced by friend of the show right right i, t- I knew i was forgetting something 100 yeah. percent. and so a big year for aaron b coons we got the requiem coming out and also they had announced scare package too wow. mm-hmm. they're doing a sequel to scare package so i'm very excited for that uh but now i'm at my top four uh nope absolutely can't wait i just am on board for anything peel does scream y'all know me baby still same og but i've been low-key um <laughs> Hellraiser hated on by most of these MCs with no yeah. cheese. David Bruckner, director of the Night House and the Ritual and Amateur Night, is doing a Hellraiser reboot this year. It's going to be coming out, and I can't wait. Uh, I think that if there's someone who has the tact and skill to handle a Hellraiser reboot, it's him. Mm-hmm. And my number one non horror and horror, by far number one most anticipated movie of the year is The Northman. Robert Eggers, The Northman. I think it looks awesome. And I know not to expect an action movie, even though the, the trailer's two minutes of straight Viking fighting. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know it's it's not going to be that. I've seen his movies. I know yeah. not to expect two hours of fucking Gladiator. There's no way. Uh, but the, I don't want that. I want, oh man, who is it? Like Bjork is huge. Massive. Playing like one of the, the witches. Oh God, dude. I cannot wait for that movie. Um, yeah, been a great year in horror going to be another great year coming up here obviously these are just the ones that have been announced and we've been able to access now but yeah great year talking horror movies with you guys i hope you guys had fun it's been a blast this is great and i think we can wrap it up for let's uh, wrap it wrap 2021 up up it next episode i'll be back doing uh there's going to be a whole bunch of episodes dropping some of which are going to have kyle and boozy some of which might only have one of them uh-huh. uh but we're going to be taking care of some druid's hand backer episodes uh so with that being said next episode is going to be for sure myself and my friend and uh one of the, the one of the crew members on the druid's hand who contributed to the kickstarter derek yakimchuk uh we're going to be talking about resident evil from 2021 <laughs> and ace ventura what a partnership <laughs> those are Love his it. his choices shout out derek afraid of heights he he really got through and he got up on those ladders i'm proud of him yep 
And shout out to Derek who bought a $45 AFI crop top. <laughs> Even bigger. <laughs> Massive. The W's don't stop. Yeah, And also we got a couple other episodes coming up. You can expect to hear a full episode on VHS 94, which we'll be talking about with our homie Big L from uh, New York City. Hell yeah. Elio, he's going to be coming on to talk about VHS 94. And then a whole bunch of exciting things that we got Hell in the yeah. pipeline for uh, 2022 Terror Table. All right. Sick, yeah. Sick. I got a few things to shout out quick. I was recently on my buddy Zach Tennant's podcast called Formatted to Fit Your Screen. Uh, great, great podcast. One of my favorites from the from the Saskatoon area, but he's based in Montreal now. And yeah, we went over our best, our favorite films of the 2010s and talked about the 2010s in general. So it's a really fun episode. I have it downloaded. I'm planning on listening tomorrow. <laughs> I can't wait to scream when I hear you talk about the French Dispatch. I don't know if you've seen it, but <laughs> no, it's of the 2010s, not 2021. Oh, okay. and I haven't seen French Dispatch yet. It's mostly under the skin uh, porn. Uh, and uh, and then also my band River Sling, we just put out a full length live video of uh, a setback in September. So peep that. That is a. Uh, Go on YouTube and just check out like River Sleem live at Amigos. That, uh, that's a, that's Hell, a fun it's watch. It's so good. Yeah. Sleem it up with your Slimers. Yeah. You know when people got slimed and uh-oh? It's exactly like that. You could be yeah. like that, but you could get slimed. Yeah. yeah. Which is just straight Kyle come. Well, <laughs> it depends how you look at it. Um, <laughs> but if we're being honest, that is what it is. <laughs> very if we're keeping not, it real. Very not COVID friendly. Nope. <laughs> not 420 friendly. All right. Okay, well, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Thanks again for thanks for listening. Another year of the Terror Table, uh, and we'll see you next time. Oh, also, I just want to shout out. Um, well, very last thing before we close up, we got a couple negative reviews on iTunes a couple of years ago. I think they were like one stars, Hell and yeah. I just checked today for the first time, and we're back to a four point eight, baby. Because nice. a couple other people gave us five star reviews, and yeah. like I don't recognize any of them, but thank you, thank you, and uh, also shout out the trolls that gave us one stars. Uh, but it, it was just funny for me because I'm like, oh yeah, baby, we're fighting our way back from this. They, they hate us because they anus. Yep, that's exactly it. That's it. That's All it. right, nerds, we'll see you next time on the terror table. <laughs> 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 <laughs>